and then I get like the hookup. You know, I go to a bar and like, oh wait, you know who Martin Denny is? And I can, I can, and then, then, dude, I can't even speak. And then I can draw. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly uh, music podcast where every week we take a different uh, artist, uh, we pick an album from them, and we break it down. We, uh, we try to find out all the secrets we can about it, and then we let you all know. Uh, this week's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more difficult, but we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Give us five stars, please, please, please. Uh, what else we got? Uh, social media. Asinine Radio on all the on all the social medias. We also have a phone number you can call. You could uh, leave us a voicemail, send us a text. The phone number is 503-893-5307. A uh, huge shout out to the person who reached out to us about uh, some records Jeff sent them, some Stevie Wonder records. They're very appreciative. That's awesome. Thanks for reaching out. And I hope you actually listen and enjoy. So, uh, Jeff, what, what are we doing today? What album by what artist are we doing today? Well... I mean, we're doing Martin Denny and his, the, the, the Quiet Village, but are we not going to do? Are what? we not going to do like the Six Degrees or nothing like that? I mean, I didn't do any Six Degrees because it was I so did, difficult. I did because I'm not. I'm not. A little did you really? Fucking, I'm not a little butthole. Yeah, of course I did. Oh shit! Fuck it. Let's let's do this. Let's I did do too, this. baby. You ready for this? I, okay, okay. So I thought we were just going to combine everything into one episode we so, can do okay. everything one episode that's fine okay all right so let's yeah let's get into this what do you got for you six degrees i got two i'll start with my easier one which wasn't that two, easy wow. um but martin okay. denny that's that's the that's our boy of the week martin mm-hmm. denny to simon waronker warrenker warrenker um mm-hmm. also also stylized as c s i waronker but he he was the producer and friend of of martin denny but he founded liberty records which um, I thought was really cool. Like Liberty Records yeah. is something that we now collect records, and we see a lot of Liberty Records come through. And that's kind of cool that the founder worked with Martin Denny. Um, yes. Liberty signed their first per- the first person Liberty Records signed was Julie London. Right. Okay. I remember I talked about Julie London. Vaguely remember this. Okay. Julie London okay. is 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 is, 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 is a, the cover. It shows a, a woman, and she's she's not topless, but the way that it's framed it damn near makes her look topless and for whatever reason now this record is coming back into the limelight and it's becoming an expensive record and it's really really good it's just a vocal pop record really really good stuff though Um, okay but anyway Julie London her last recording that she ever did before she died was a cover song called My Funny Valentine and it was for the 1981 movie Sharky's Machine which starred Burt Reynolds so it's Julie London to Burt Reynolds Burt Reynolds okay. was in Longest Yard with Terry Crews. Terry Crews, insanely buff dude with the pecs that go up and down all the time. Yes. Terry Crews might be buffer than The Rock. Like, there might be like a thing. Uh, maybe not now, but okay. 
And then uh, Terry Crews, he was in the music video as a police officer for Down. Like, oh, what? you're right. He was. Remember that? Oh, that is, I do remember that. What a weird, what a weird thing. I, wow. That, that okay. Los Angeles looking down video. Yeah. They did. They're all in the idea. backyard. Yeah. Bunch of, yeah. The fucking lowrider cars, all that stuff. Wow. That's good. That was a good, that was a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Then what was your other one? Uh, the other one is Les Baxter. I did uh, Les Baxter because, you know, he's here. So Les Baxter, yeah. he did the uh, the American score for the Italian film Black Sabbath, which the band mm-hmm. Black Sabbath took their name from, um, which starred Michelle Mercier. That's a great pronunciation. Yeah, probably how you say it. But Michelle probably. was in uh, the 1972 film called Call of the Wild with Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston had a small part in Armageddon. It was basically just a, a, a narrative part, but Armageddon had Liv Tyler in it. Liv Tyler, mm-hmm. daughter of Steven yeah. Tyler. Um, Liv Tyler yes. did guest appearances, I think guest appearance actually, on a Lemonheads album, as did Bill Stevenson. That was a little cheat I did right there. Uh, Bill Stevenson produced and has worked a lot with Alkaline Trio, who's got our boy Skeebs, and Skeebs. Mm-hmm. Is surreptitiously, as of right now, I believe in the same band as Tom DeLonge. I would tend to agree with you on that. Yes, that was good. That was a good one too, but not as good as the that uh, the Terry Crews one. That one, that one really caught me off guard. Which one? The Terry Crews. Oh yeah, that that was that was very good. I forgot Both he was. In, I, I forgot he was in the video too until this week, and then I was like, no fucking way, he's in the video. And I looked and said, holy shit, the guy that I know. As the cop in the video is Terry Crews. <laughs> oh, it's so weird. So weird. There Love it, go. though. I did, too. There you, you go. Did zero. That's fine. I did. I know. This was, this was a tough week. This was very tough. But we'll, this, we'll get into why this was in hard. a little bit. But. Though, actually, those, that, that six degrees was, was pretty hard, too. I did a lot of fucking work that I, I, I don't care to ever do again because sometimes yeah, like, like with, 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 with newer bands it's 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 fun because i get to see who's in what with other artists but like this one i don't give a fuck about burt reynolds i don't give a shit about what what movie michelle mercier was in i don't even know who the fuck that is <clears throat> you don't even care about martin denny i really don't even so. care about martin denny and I, honestly after this week <laughs> it wasn't like the most exciting life where i'll ever read about his life ever again yeah, okay. All it right. wasn't an unexciting life, but it wasn't an exciting life. Okay, so what do you want to do next? <laughs> it was a whatever life. <laughs> 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 yeah, so so you had said, even though you didn't do it either, you had said we we should be ranking or at least talking about, I mean, we had mentioned this, but then you had specifically mentioned four, five albums. So two Arthur Lyman albums, Taboo, and then Lays of Jazz, and then Martin Lays Denny, Exotica, Jazz, yeah. Juan Esquival, Exploring New Sounds and Hi-Fi, and then Les Baxter, Tambu. Correct. And I, I ranked them yes. based off of, I guess, the Exotica sound and then what I liked. But, I mean, my rankings shouldn't even really be rankings because some of them aren't really Exotica. So I do have notes on all of them. So whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever direction you want to take, I'm f- it's fine with me. Let's, uh, let's just rank them then. Let, let's go from worst to best. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't do the – both Arthur Lyman's. I only did one. I just did Taboo. That was the only one I listened to. But let's start with your number four. I mean, I didn't put a banger off of each one either because it's just all. I didn't either. Yeah, it's just, th- this has been a weird week, 
honestly, it's been a weird week with how we do the pod normally. But yes. uh, so, so what do you got for your number four? Uh, well, it would be my number five because I did rank both. Oh, both you did linings. rank Lemon, yeah. Yeah. So my number my my number five or your number four, my least favorite is is Les Baxter, the Tambu. That was okay. nineteen fifty five. Like, listen to this. This is this has been like the craziest thing for me this week. Was was I I made fun of the exotic of music because of the bird noises because of the of the calls, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and that's what I didn't like. That's not what I don't like. I know exactly after listening to a lot of Exotica this week. I know exactly what it is that I don't like about the music, and it is not that. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into that later. But okay. Les Baxter, right. Tambu, nineteen fifty five. Listen to this. I realize that you really do need more noises. Otherwise, you're just listening to a movie score, and that's what this fucking album was, <laughs> which isn't a yeah. bad thing. But there's nothing more than just a cool score to latch onto. Like I still love the percussion, and I really like the artwork on this, and I like the band direction. I like everything about it. But realistically, this is a fucking movie score. That's all it is. There's 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 no meat here. There's there's nothing else that's excitable. And you know, Les Baxter, a lot of these guys have done. 50 different things including movie scores so that's what i felt like about <laughs> yeah. this one okay so les baxter is your number five and um les baxter is this also one, my number five this what? is one that i would not buy in the vinyls this is one that i will not go back to i'm glad i listened to it to get kind of like the beginning i guess of, of the sound because i <laughs> yeah. do hear it but i will never I, I, I wouldn't buy those in the vinyls even if it was like three dollars i wouldn't buy it that's I understand that. I do understand that, especially considering you're not really into the style of music. I get it. But, but yeah, my number five is also Les Baxter's Tambu. I do have this on vinyl. I did pay $3 for it. So <laughs> <laughs> it was very cheap. And I only, I think I have, yeah, I have three Les Baxter's and this is one of them. And I got it because, you know, the cover looks, it's very, you know, tiki. It's very exotica looking from that, that genre, I guess you could say. And uh, I'm with you. The The thing that, that I don't necessarily like about this record is how big band it sounds. There's there's a lot of instruments. It's not just like a quartet or a quintet. Like, it's a full band. And it does sound, at times it does sound like a movie score, and it doesn't have the same charm that Martin Denny and, and, and Arthur Lyman do. And it's fine. It's 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 good. I I will I'll, I'll, I would go back to it, but if I really just want to listen to Exotica, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go for Martin Denny. Just gotta go for the for the guy for the main guy, the big guy. So, that's what I got on Les Baxter. No, not knocking him, but like you said, he's put out so much so much music, and he's been in movies. And I mean, the dude was so popular back in the day. So, there you go, Les Baxter and uh, Tambu, my number five. What do you got for number four? Go. Arthur Lyman, Taboo, nineteen fifty-eight. So the, mm-hmm. this is this is the exotic exotica sound that we know that we love. It's it's hard to even discern some of the the traits from like Lyman and and Martin Denny because a lot of it's very very similar, and they play together, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. It is very similar, but I don't know. This one I would buy if I saw it on the vinyls because my favorite parts of this are the quiet parts. There's a lot of quiet parts, and when the quiet parts happen, it's just straightforward, like, percussive instruments. And there's a lot of, like, really weird, soft cymbals being hit at weird times, and there's a lot of 
different things that it just make me feel like, I don't know, this is something a little bit different. This is not quite upfront Exotica, Jungle Cruise, Martin Denny, but it's also not like lounge jazz like Les Baxter. It's This one was kind of in the middle for me. All right. So my number, uh, I guess my number four would be um, uh, Esquivel. And this is only at number four because to me, it doesn't have that same flair that, you know, what Martin Denny brings to the to the table. I like the vibraphone. I like a lot of the percussive elements, which he has on this record, the exploring new sounds in hi-fi. And there's some like weirdness, like, I don't want to say synth. Maybe not. No, they're not. It's not synth, right? It's there's a lot of weird shit that he uses. There's the, a lot the, of the stuff. Theremin that he's using. The way yeah, he uses maybe the that's strings. What I'm of. There's a lot of cool stuff that he's using. Yeah. So this is this is a record which is very good, but it's still like in that in the vein of like a soundtrack. It could be a soundtrack, a movie score, or soundtrack, but not as egregiously as Les Baxter is. Like it's a little more quirky and out there and weird which is really cool but it doesn't for me it doesn't satisfy that that exotica sound that martin denny and lyman have so that's why it's at this it's number four because of that but it's still a really great record and i really wish i had it on vinyl because you brought it to the pod like a month ago two months ago and uh yeah it was really good it was i went and listened to this record when you brought the song to the pod but Good stuff. So that's my number Good four. Good stuff. Okay. So what do you got for three? You didn't rank all five records. So when you say that's your number four, I'm curious what your top three is. Okay. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? But you didn't. There's five records. Yeah, there's five yep. records because there was two. Yeah, there, you, you said you didn't rank both Arthur Lyman's. Yeah, there's two Arthur Lyman's. There's the Les Baxter, the Escaval, and then you said you didn't the do Mondain. the other Arthur Lyman. I know. I'm just. I'm just grouping both Lyman's into one. That's just okay, what so I'm. I'm just. I'm okay. grouping it into one. Your next one. Your next one should be three then, and then two, and then one. Okay. So you have, you have yeah. three more albums to talk about. I thought. I thought. I mean, I thought you'd pick it up. Pick up on that, but apparently not. What are your five albums that you have? You don't have five I ha- albums. I, I. I do have. If okay, technically, there's I have one four. Martin Denny. There's one. There's one basketball. There's one yeah, Baxter, one Baxter. Baxter, and you only have one Lyman. That's four records. Correct. That's four. And I just told you right now, with the fifth one, or the second Lyman, I'm just combining the second Lyman with Taboo, because I didn't listen to Lays of Jazz. So I'm just I'm just throwing that in there. So it's just going to be my... So my, you only have two left. Correct. Technically, yes. Well, it's not technically. You only have two left. When you said you're four, you really meant okay. three. That's okay. So I, I'm, I'm, rank, I'm, ranking a, I'm ranking a record that I didn't listen to. That's what I'm doing. They, that's okay. That's fine. That's what I'm doing. I'm ranking a record I haven't listened to, and basing that ranking strictly on the one I did listen to, and that being taboo. So there okay. you go. There you go. Does that clarify that? That it's stupid, but that clarifies it. <laughs> Wait, what else am I supposed to do? Come on. Besides, I listen to four. it. I could have four been fine. What it, 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 it's it doesn't matter. Too late now. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, now. it's way too fucking late. So what? All right. Totally so what do you got? Late. My number three, which would be your number, I guess, 16, based on your rankings. <laughs> My number three is uh, Juan Esquival. This is Exploring New Sounds in Hi-Fi, 1959. So this is many years huh. after Martin Denny. This is uh, Space Age, Lounge, Exotica, Jazz, all these fucking words coming together. But uh, you can tell. You can tell. That's what's so cool about this one. 
is I love this album a lot. And not just because I got it for like $3, but I love this a lot because there's a lot of cool sounds. There's a lot of theremin in there, but it's not, they're not using the theremin as a gimmick. They're using the theremin as like an instrument, how it, how it maybe was intended to be used. But then the way yeah. he conducts like the string arrangements, the way he composed the strings to give also that sort of like vibrato sound to it, to match the theremin, is unreal. It's it's it is unreal. It gives it this like space agey feel. And now, you know, the whole world is going into the sixties and there's a space race thing going on and there's a lot of there's a lot of extracurricular thoughts of of above and beyond. And then now like Star Trek is becoming a thing and, and it will become a thing. And this does sound like a soundtrack to a lot of the Star Trek. I've watched the original series like three times now. And this does sound like the soundtrack to pretty much every episode of Star Trek, the original series. But it's good. It is fucking cool. It is great because there's a lot of noises. There's a lot of vocal work. There's a lot of pows and pangs and bings and bombs and esquivo. <laughs> there's a lot of just background vocal stuff that's going on. And that's something you don't get a lot in the Exotica realm mm-hmm. is those True. background vocals. Otherwise, just that dude making bird calls the whole time. But um, you know, it's good. That's good stuff. It is good. It is good. I, I can't believe this is so low for you. I'm shocked. I, I mean, again, it's it's again, again. We're we're raking these based off of the like, which is the best Exotica album. This is not an mm-hmm. Exotica album. True. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just as, as far as far as like replayability goes. This is this is second. This is number two in replay replayability. But as far as Exotica goes, no, this is not even close to being number one. <laughs> All right. So then what's your number two? Oh, because you skipped one because you yes. didn't rank them. I mean, we can okay. go over so my this number again. Two, yes. yes. My number two. I'm just glad that we're <laughs> skipping one for you because you went from four, so your next one should be three, but it's going to be two. My number two is Arthur Lyman, Lays yes. of Jazz, Lays of Jazz. So as far as Exotica goes, again, this is number two. But as far as replayability goes, this is number one. This was, dude. This was this was unbelievable. This is, hmm. I like this most out of out of everything that I've just ranked here. All five of them. It's, again, it's not quite Exotica. It's lounge music for sure. But yeah, I don't know. They, like it, it needed to cross that line to be more Exotica, but it's very very much Exotica in in concept and in in kind of theory and in execution. It's fantastic. Amazing bass playing, amazing piano, and the drums absolutely slay. This is a jazz record. And even mm-hmm. there's a song like with vocals and it, it, it mixes up with some scat type of like the doot 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 like those type of singing. It's a very it's a very jazz bass record. There's a lot of fast songs on here and the drums are just going nuts. And you're hearing that like that fast hi hat hitting. The bass is all up and down the neck. And then like everything about this is just very like like lounge is very subdued. It's very calm. As if you were sitting in a lounge listening to somebody play music very calmly. This one gives the appearance of being calm, but realistically is just insane. Just absolutely insane. And I'm going to start looking for this on the vinyls because it was so good. I wish I had listened to this. 
I don't know how I missed it. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I thought you put this one on here specifically because it was so goddamn um, different from the other. I, I had never. Did. I had never listened to Lays of Jazz. I've only ever listened to Taboo because I have Taboo on vinyl, but I've never. I've never listened to Lays of Jazz, and I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I don't know why I did not listen to this. I'm kicking myself. I feel so stupid. Imagine Wait. like, imagine like the Arthur Lyman band playing Taboo in its entirety. And then after like all the after all like the, the the Fairweather fans leave, they go, "All right, you guys ready?" And they just go into it and let loose of what they want to play. That's what Lays of Jazz sounds like. Oh, man, I, I'm gonna it listen was, to it tomorrow. I'm gonna definitely. It was fucking to it good. It was really good. I don't know how I missed this. I'm I can't believe it. That's again that's not stupid. not Exotica, so I can't put it as number one Exotica album that we did. But as far as replayability, this is easily my number one. <sighs> okay, so my number my number two is Taboo. Like I said, I, I do have this one on vinyl. This one, I think, sonically sounds better than Exotica, the Martin Denny album. I feel like because the way they 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 use the stereo, it just sounds more just dynamic. And I, I listen to this on my speakers on my at home when I was just sitting at my desk, like just doing shit on the computer, and just going from from this to martin denny's record it was a huge difference just sound wise and i thought it was so cool and he he is very very good at the vibraphone like that's that's his specialty and it shows it's really good and we'll get more into that uh when we talk about the exotica record but um yeah this record is really good there are some moments that are a little little cheesy but i mean that's that's the style of music it's meant to be kind of cheesy and that's cool. So Arthur Lyman, it's kind of a shame because out of all the Exotica guys, he gets kind of lowest build out of all of them. It's always like Martin Denny, Baxter, uh, Jackie Gleason, and then like Arthur Lyman is like always number four, which Jackie Gleason I've never really understood. I've never really heard a record by him that sounded Exotica to me. It was always more big band or movie sound or movie score style. So it wasn't... I mean- I don't know. To be fair, like Martin Denny should obviously one hundred percent be number one. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Yeah. But for Les Baxter and Jackie Gleason to be above Arthur Lyman, it makes sense just based off of output. And, and yeah, that's I mean, true. Jackie Gleason, there's a hundreds of fucking stuff that he's done. Yeah, something like two hundred records. It's crazy. It's yeah. silly. And Les Baxter, kind of in the same realm, just putting out dozens and dozens and dozens, dozens of records. Like one of them is bound to be good. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it makes it makes sense. I also think it's fucking stupid, but it does make sense. Yeah, I have but, a couple uh, Les Baxter records that I think are fantastic, but nothing as great as I thought Lays of Jazz was. Okay, so that that obviously leads us with our our number one being the same, and uh, should just jump right into it, right? Sound good? Jump right into it. All right, so what what are we doing today, Jeff? We are doing Exotica by the Martin Denny's.
Denny began his musical career in Los Angeles, California in the 1930s. He put out 39 full-length records, 11 compilations, and is considered the father of Exotica music. Uh, Exotica, his first album, uh, it was originally released in May 1957. It features Martin Denny on piano arrangements, Arthur Lyman on vibes, xylophone, percussion, John Kramer on bass, uh, Augie Cologne on bongos, congas, bird calls, and Harold James on drums and percussion as well. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what, what do we got, Jeff? What are what is your what's your origin story with the Martin Dennys? Go. I mean, just at this point, it's just the the vinyl collecting. When we started collecting the vinyls, and then I don't know how, but you. I don't know how. I mean, my my origin story with Martin Denny is just based one hundred percent off of you. And I now that I'm thinking about it, I don't, I don't. I'm curious to hear how you found it and things like that, because I know I've seen a lot of his albums before and in, in batches that I've bought early on in the collecting and just got rid of them because I didn't want to listen to them. So yeah, you just I just mean, didn't know. Crazy, crazy, boring, and short. But it's been like the past two years. But how the fuck did you? Why? How? <laughs> I don't know. All right. All right. Let, let me tell you. Let me tell you real quick. Here we go. So my origin story with it is this is very early on in collecting. And uh, I go to this record store called White Rabbit Records. It used to be called something else, but we don't talk about that anymore. And um, this is after they already changed the name. It was White, White Rabbit. And I walk in there and the guy is playing some really cool. It sounds just really cool. It's like this kind of bossa nova kind of very relaxed kind of sound it's like oh who is this i've never never heard of it and they're like he's like oh uh the the group is called the high lows but they they don't make music like this like this is the only record that they ever made like it they're like the he's like yeah they're they're like the shitty doo-wop group from the 50s they're terrible but this is like the one good record they put out and I'm like, oh, I'm interested in it. Do you have a copy of me? He's like, no, this is my own personal copy. I don't feel like selling it. I'm like, okay, cool. Do you know anything that Fucking sounds guy. like this? And he's like, do you know? And I said, do you know? I asked, did you do you have anything that sounds like this? And he's like, oh yeah, there's stuff that's way better than this. Let, let me show you. And he's like, Martin Denny. And he starts like going through it, like Martin Denny, Les Baxter, Jackie Gleason, all that stuff. And he's like, pick up this one and this one. It was and it was Exotica and Quiet Village. You know, fucking four dollars, five dollars for each of them. And he's like, if you like, if you like what you heard here in the store, you're gonna really like this. And so I took him home and and I listened to Exotica and and Quiet Village and that that was my introduction and and I just I fucking loved it. This is, just, this is so rad, man. I I I love this style of music. It's so relaxing. It just it kind of, I don't know. It just makes me feel like happy. It's just very happy music and relaxing. I love it. And then from there, I became obsessed with Martin Denny, and I uh, I just had to have I, I went through this thing where like I, or I'm still going through this thing where I have to have every single record he ever put out, minus the compilations, just the 39 solo records, or the 39 records, and I'm at 28 God, right now. I'm at 28 of the 39 records, so almost there, almost there, and which, you've made which... fun of me ever since. So I mean, you'll you you'll get to the point where you you'll have them all, and then you'll you'll purge most of them because you'll you'll accomplish you know, what you set out to do, and then you will. I think at this point, I would not get rid of them strictly out of spite. I mean, this, it's spite to your own 
household to your, I mean, to the space that you have in your house. It's, it's nobody it's, else. It's I mean, mainly spite toward you. But I don't care what you do. I'm gonna get rid of a lot of my grand funk stuff, and that was that was that was something that I I started collecting. Like I said, like before you started collecting the Martin Denny stuff, and that was just yeah, yeah. like ah, these are a dollar each, so I'm gonna start collecting them. And I even now like I'm I'm gonna get rid of eighty percent of them. <laughs> it's silly. Uh, so yeah, that's how that's how I got into Martin Denny. Found out about Martin Denny, and uh, and then I kept telling you. Listen to Exotica. You get them all the time. We see them all the time because Exotica is the one record that you just always see in bargain bins. It's always there. Every store has them. It's been repressed several times. It's one of the few records of his that have actually been repressed in the last like 35 years or something like that, 40 years. So, yeah, that 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 is your origin story is through me. So, yeah, there you both go. Both origin stories are through Burger Records or... Um Whatever's called. Ah, yes. White Rabbit. White Rabbit. Yes. White Rabbit Records. I saw what you did there. Saw what you did there. But anyway, what are your uh, your first impressions on on this record Exotica from the Martin Denny's? So I had, I had alluded to this earlier, and I had made fun of the Exotica because I don't like the bird sounds, but it's not the bird sounds. It is one hundred percent not the bird sounds, and I've mm. I know exactly what I don't like. And it's there's an abundance of it on this record. And it's the fucking it's all of the chimes. And it's all of the symbols. I knew you were gonna say that's that. That's what it is. I knew you were gonna say the chimes. That's what it is. My God. It's not the bird sounds at all. I, I've been hating the wrong thing. The bird sounds are there in the in the in the forefront, but really like the big culprits in the back. It's those fucking yeah. chimes. And it's the loud cymbal splashes that like draw out. That's what I don't fucking like. That's what bothers me the most because it's so fucking loud. Yeah, it's very loud in the mix for sure. Oy. But the bird sounds when when I, once I realized that it was it was the chimes and the symbols that I didn't like. The bird sounds are great. I love them. Oh my god, dude, you're so <laughs> annoying. Well, it's the great. bird sounds. The bird sounds are really only on like the first song on Quiet Village, and then most of the, st- the other stuff you hear are like monkey calls. They're not even. It's a, it's a it's a guy, okay. They're not. Yeah, no, of yeah, animal. It's true. A yeah, guy. Yeah, so it's, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Whatever Augie Cologne is is doing, it's that guy. <laughs> the animal noises, but yeah, I, I legit for the past six months to a year, I've hated the bird sounds, but it's not. It's the fucking chimes and the cymbals. <laughs> God, they are very very obnoxious sometimes. Very obnoxious. Yeah, they're a little loud. They're a little loud. I, and it might be because it's the mono mix that you listen to, because I know you didn't listen because there's two mixes there. So what it was was in 1957 they recorded this record with Arthur Lyman on on Vibes, and uh, and then they released it on mono. Or no, I don't even think no they released it on mono and then he left the band right after. Yeah, he left the band. He wasn't kicked out. He left right after and then they re-recorded it. Uh, in stereo and instead had Julius Wechter from Baja Marimba band, you know, very successful in his own right. And he played the vibes on it. And honestly, I think I prefer the stereo. I listened to both back to back twice this week. So I've listened to this record a lot this week. And uh, and I do prefer the stereo sound. I never really understood the 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 interest in mono i i know like people always say the beatles the beatles and mono are better than the stereo and i've i've tried listening to you know rubber soul i have both on vinyl and i've tried listening to both of them and honestly i think the stereo sounds better 
Uh, maybe it's just because I'm I'm younger and I was I've grew up listening in stereo rather than mono. I really don't know, but uh, what 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 does set this one apart from say the Beatles is that they were they re-recorded this album completely re-recorded it to in stereo, so it wasn't just converted over or whatever. So, and that's the problem. Like the problem isn't the fact that it was it was recorded in stereo. The problem is that you re-recorded it. Is you try yeah. to recapture feelings that may not even exist anymore, and, and my vinyl version is the mono version. So, I listen to my my vinyl version, and and then I listen to the to the one online on Spotify, and I thought like this sounds fucking exactly the same. I don't know. And then it looked, and it was the mono. There's the mono version. Yeah, so, they don't have stereo. They don't have the stereo version on Spotify. So I don't know what the stereo version sounds like, but I don't. I I think his problem that or, or Martin Denny when I say his problem, Martin Denny he likes the mono version better because it was. You're not trying to recapture anything. This is just a sound that that you kind of came up with that you. That you took pieces from other people's puzzles and then you made like your own thing, but then when you yeah. try and re-record it with somebody different in the band, I mean that's an entirely new dynamic, and that's not that's not a mono versus stereo thing. That's a re-recording issue. Yeah, there's yeah, it's true. You can't re-record Zeppelin two in a different format with a different bandmate and fucking think you're gonna get the same <laughs> result. Like, come on. No, it's true. It's very true. But honestly, I still say I I prefer the stereo over the mono, and I don't really know why. I I can't. I listened to it a couple times. Like I said, a couple times this week. I don't know why I do, but I do, and I think it's just it's, so, I think it's just because it's sonically it sounds better. It's probably because you're listening to it and you hear like the piano, and then you don't hear. Yeah, that's. I think that's what it is. Yeah, because it's very Fuck. much in the forefront because of the mono mix. It it can be very fucking loud at times. I I totally agree with you. And <laughs> like the the good middle portion of the record has a shit ton of those chimes. Yeah, it's yeah, really fucking that's, loud. Those are, those are all my non bangers. <laughs> I only have like five bangers. That's fine. That's fine. Six uh, bangers. On on Discogs, I did want to bring up uh, somebody just this year posted a, a comment under under the record saying this is terrible, horrible music that nobody should listen to. I bought it because it features it was featured in a sci fi book series I really like. Don't repeat my mistake. <laughs> Fucking Damn, idiot. dude, relax. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking asshole. Like it's not even bad music. Even if you if you even if you think bird calls are annoying, even if you think like obnoxious symbols are annoying, it's still melodic just kind of jazz. Yeah, it is. It's not bad. It and one thing I, I, I kind of really noticed this week especially um, was that Lyman isn't on as much of the record as I thought. He's, I mean, obviously Denny takes the forefront because it is, it's his group. He, it's his arrangements. It's his piano playing that takes the forefront. But there are only a few songs where they kind of have this cool, they have actually have a really cool interplay. And... Outside of that, there's he's not really in the mix. He's not really a part of it. I don't know if you picked up on that. There's a few songs no, where it's just kind I, of absent. I, I mean, I think the whole the whole vibes and xylophone thing are there just to kind of be exotica. But like realistically, this is a piano and bongo congas Augie Cologne thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think this band. You can take everybody out of this band. And it could be Martin Denny and, and Augie Cologne, and they could still carry this entire album 
even without Arthur Lyman slash Julius Wechter and Harold Chang, who's a really good drummer and percussionist. But you only need those two people. I agree with you on that. But the way it's kind of interesting because the way it, this album is kind of portrayed is that like Arthur Lyman was so great and it changed the the group changed so much after he left the band, but it really didn't. People are just they're silly. They're just silly. I think it's boys. all I think it's all hype. Girls. I think Arthur Lyman went on to do I mean, obviously Arthur Lyman went on to do more and more prolific things than Martin Denny did, so therefore Agreed. You know, he he uh, I don't know. I don't know. The main guy no, of the band. I, I agree. I know. I, I agree with you. And kind of reading the, the history of, of both, you know, Denny and Lyman, Lyman, you know, was pretty much grew up in Hawaii. And Martin Denny was more of like just a guy who came over with a bunch of weird instruments that he gathered in South America and just kind of hired Lyman when he was like 17 or 18 years old, when Denny was probably like 10 years older than him. Just hiring like some local guys. So I feel like. <laughs> You you kind of get like a very different kind of perspective on how they're going to be arranging music, simply based off of that. So yes, it's just yeah yeah. There's just I don't know. And plus, this is not this is not like a definitive genre that was established. This is still like new territory, and even as it ran its course, it was always still new territory until it kind of fizzled out. So it never got it never got like a good foothold. To where like this is the sound. It's just kind of been grandfathered yeah. in as Exotica is the sound of Exotica. Or Quiet Village That's is true. the sound of Exotica. Yeah. yeah, it's it's I I've you rarely see a genre of music be born and die in such a short amount of time. And be as popular as it was for such a short amount of time. I mean, this this hop I mean, this began with the first okay, so this album came out in fifty seven. And a lot of people speculate that the reason why it was so popular because the government or the U.S. was trying to to hype people up to to ratify Hawaii being a state, which happened in 1959. And so they they kind of pushed the whole exotica genre and Martin Denny and and just Polynesian stuff like to the masses, and it it fucking blew up. But then by like 1965, 1966, the genre was pretty much dead. So a little bit of it might have been because of mass marketing of the style because they wanted to get Hawaii as a state. And that's a fair point. Like for sure it's a fair point. Yeah. However, the uniqueness of this genre is also its downfall because the bird calls is kind of what makes this exotica as opposed to what we've already talked about, Arthur Lyman did the same exact thing, just without bird calls. And yeah, yeah it's true. vastly different. So if you take out the bird calls from this, then I don't know if I would even consider this like an exotic album. Like, yeah, I may just think like, oh, this is a pretty cool, like lounge jazz music album. That's fine. The bird calls are what really, really set this sets this apart. And the fact that like the bulk of this album doesn't have any kind of music or any kind of monkey bird animal calls whatsoever. <laughs> It does kind of get lost. I don't know. The Exotica sound does get lost a lot in this album. And I think the yeah. Exotica sound is based around... What do you what do you call it? You call them bird calls? Yeah, bird calls. Yeah, that's But it's that's not what just it is. birds that he's trying to do. It's just like snakes it's either bird and calls, slitherins and monkeys. But and I feel like the, like the snake stuff you hear is more the percussive instruments. It's not 
him actually. You think he's like? Yeah, it's not him with his voice. <laughs> with his tongue sliding out his nasty mouth. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know for a long time that that was actually one of the guys in the band doing it. I thought it was like they they like dubbed in sound like bird call sounds and monkey sounds, but it was actually just one guy in the in the band, just like doing that. And the the kind of the story behind it was that Martin Denny had was playing at, at a hotel in in Hawaii, and he had hired the band, you know, to to play the music, whatever. Because it's pretty much just cover. This entire record is covers, and that's pretty yeah. much what Martin Denny was. It was just his own unique arrangements of songs that were written by other people that's that's his thing and they were playing at the at this hotel just on a saturday night he had like a res not a residency but just he played every saturday night there and there was this little pond next to the stage and there were like toads and fish and all kinds of animals in there and so that was happening and then as as a joke was augie right yeah augie 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 came up and he was just make just started to make bird sounds just as a joke just to kind of be funny but the people in the audience loved it so much and they thought, you know, the toads in, that were actually like croaking and the noises, the noise of the fish and the bird calls was all part of the song, not understanding it was a joke. They loved it so much they asked him to do it again the next time. So it kind of became a shtick. And then from there, you know, we have this record and everything, <laughs> like everything that is exactly, exotica. <laughs> that's what makes exotica exotica. Like the difference between exotica and lounge music is Augie. Mm-hmm. That that's it, and and it's I don't know it's it's cool it's cool it's it's fun like I I don't hate this genre of music except for the symbols which I I've learned to hate so much so it's it's a it's a it's a more directed hate because I I did I really really hated the bird calls really did now you that's all you would talk about ever. until that's this week I know I just could not stand it but it was misdirected hate and the real hate is just <laughs> bad production in the in the, in the, in the in the tone, and just like the the overabundance of symbols and how loud they were in the mix, and just how drawn out they were, and how they're blowing my speakers out. I, I listen to this album on headphones and on my car, and yeah, like at the yeah. gym, I listen to this on headphones, and and it was just like, fuck, <laughs> this is this really fucking loud. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm like one of those guys that go to the gym and I I, I giggle to myself and I laugh because the music I listen to is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> This is like the the last thing you would listen to while at the gym. Like the the least the thing that would get you pumped the least would be this oh, kind dude, of music. I get, I get pumped over the stupidest shit. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is goofy. This is goofy stuff. And um I don't know. I don't know. I I couldn't find I really tried to find things on whether or not Martin Denny took this seriously outside of just making records. I don't. I couldn't find anything that Martin Denny said. Yeah, we. I knew I was doing something stupid. I knew I was doing something that wasn't going to last. But it was fun while it happened. I couldn't find anything like that. So I still don't know if he thought this was dumb to begin with, or if he legit invested his entire like mindset into this genre that only lasted a couple years. Because he's a I fantastic pe- like pianist. He he's is. A good penis. No, he's he's a good pianist. Yes. No, he, that's gonna I, happen. What I what I think about Martin Denny is that I think he just wanted to to play the piano. I think he just wanted to play little shows. I don't think he ever cared to be famous. He just wanted to to make a living and live in Hawaii. I think that was his entire goal in life was to live there and play piano with like other like minded people. You know, I I don't think it was any more than that. 
I think he accidentally stumbled across this. I mean, obvi- he obviously did. He stumbled across it. He made, like, if you actually look at it, he recorded he recorded something like 31 or 32 records in from 1957 to 1970, which is fucking <laughs> insane. So that's a lot. It, it's, it clearly comes from a guy who's just there just to play and just to kind of have a good time. And then I read, I was reading something earlier this week where somebody who had gone, this is like in the maybe late eighties, early nine. No, it was like early nineties because Martin Denny died, I think in 2005. So this is like early nineties. Um, somebody had gone to Hawaii like vacationing or whatever and he was at like a like a local bar like during the day not even you know just nobody was really there and he was kind of up there playing piano this random tourist was playing piano and some old guy came in and said oh do you mind if I like play along with you or whatever or you know you know let's play together and the and guy and they ended up jamming and the guy ended up being Martin Denny Oy. and this dude had no idea yeah until afterward when you know like the bartender told him oh yeah that's Martin Denny this and that so the guy would just like was living his life in Hawaii, just having a good time playing music. And the the little amount of interviews I've ever seen from because there's like nothing about Martin Denny online. Yeah. And the little bit I've seen, he seems like such a nice, genuine guy. Like, I totally believe I 100 percent believe it. Like he, he was not in this for the fame at all. I feel like he was more pushed to, to record all the shit he did just because it was making the record label money. Like, I just don't think he gave a shit at all. It's Which so, is so crazy good. because like, like Liberty records was still pretty goddamn nail. And like, they're, I don't know. They, they're, they had big acts at the time. And, and Martin Denny was kind of a big act at the time. And they were new and they weren't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's bizarre to think that this is making Liberty records a fuck ton of money outside of just sheer volume. But it kind of was because Exotica and Quiet Village, those two records uh, in the United States, sold over 500,000 copies. The records themselves, not doesn't even include the singles. That's so crazy. I mean, they were it, he was selling a lot, especially for this niche of a genre. That's pretty pretty remarkable, honestly. So I don't it know. Is. In the end, in the end, I, I feel like he was he just didn't really care that much about fame or money and just wanted to play with people i mean the dude in the 30s he literally went and toured in south america this white dude from la goes and tours south america not knowing a lick of spanish or any other language in south america and just picks up like random instruments and just enjoying himself and then just goes to hawaii and lives the rest of his life there really i I just he's just so cool just so damn cool i I love it (laughs) I mean, I just, that, yeah. that dude, Augie Cologne, he was born and died in Honolulu. So that's, yeah. I mean, like something about Hawaii is clearly drawing these musicians, this type of music to it. Yeah. And then Harold and Chang, I Hawaii think that's, native. Well, Arthur, Arthur Lyman wasn't a Hawaii native, but I think he moved there when he was like eight. So he pretty much grew up there. Oh, no, no, he did. No, I'm sorry. He, he did. He did. Yeah. He was born and raised there, but I think he was like half white and half half Hawaiian, something like that. So it's like, I feel like, I, I think Martin Denny only chose musicians who are, who were Hawaiian. I think it was mostly that. But, I th- I mean, I, yeah, for like for sure, I mean, just for going to the musician thing, I think Arthur Lyman and Julius Wechter, those two are like the least, because Julius Wechter just replaced Arthur Lyman. So yeah. you just, now you, you're just the guy that replaced the original dude who ended up becoming greater than the band themselves. 
So yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it was hard. It was hard to find information on John Kramer, the bass player. That was I found like anybody. No, I, I honestly I found no information on him whatsoever. I did find a lot <laughs> on Harold Chang though, the drum, the drummer, percussionist. Really? Yeah. Okay. So what do you got on that? So this guy, Hawaii native. I think he's still alive. As of 2020, he's still alive. He's like 92. Super old, Jesus. dude. And then I was reading a story from from uh, Canopus, C-A-N-O-P-U-S. It's a drum company, Canopus. Mm-hmm. But the uh, they were doing an interview with the CEO of Canopus Drumming, and they were asking the CEO how well he knew Harold Chang. Because I think Canopus mm-hmm. is some type of Hawaiian-based drum company and Harold Chang being a Hawaii native, they were asking questions about it. And I guess um I guess like like this dude Harold Chang, oh my god, I thought this was super crazy because this is this brings it back to us personally. But Canopus always had a booth at the mm. NAM show. Like they were there according to the CEO no way. in Anaheim, Canopus had a booth at the NAM show every single year that we went. All those years that we went in like the two thousands. <laughs> They had a booth there, and the yeah. person that would stop by the booth, sign autographs, do demonstrations, whatever, was Harold Chang, the drummer no for this way. fucking album. He was there every single year for like fucking almost 10 years. Wow. <laughs> every single year he was there. And we and blew it's just, it. It's crazy. <laughs> but like this is this is a booth that we would have walked by, and it was the size of like an easy up, you know? like It, it was probably... It was probably one of the booths that was down in the basement. Because remember how there was the three, there was the three levels of Nam. The the middle level was the level you wanted to be at. That was that was like all the ground floor. rock music. That was yeah. like everything. Third or third level, the top level was like your Gibson, Fender, and like Gretsch, like very yes. exclusive. I think that was it. I think that was just like that was it. Yeah. There. And then the bottom level, the basement level, was all the classical. It was the the woodwinds, the brass, the obscure stuff, the shit that we would probably we would go down there for like maybe 45 minutes an hour we'd go down there to steal stuff like we'd go down there with like our other friends of the pod to steal shit because you had to go down we, one escalator steal. Well, we wouldn't steal we would just take stuff that was free but we would take, take a lot of all it. of it it's like taking that leave a penny take a penny we take all the pennies yeah, but yeah harold chained he was at nam show like every fucking year for like 10 years and That's then nuts and then he says, Shit. just like he's he's been playing drums like his whole goddamn life, just just in and out of like bars and in and out of just studio work, mostly in Hawaii. But one thing I read that was super fucking cool was he was like in his early teens, but he used to sneak into USO shows mm-hmm. during the height of World War II when there was like curfews all over the place. He used to sneak into these shows that the USO would put on at like 12 years old, 13 years old, <laughs> and watch these like rock musicians play for the troops and shit. That's so cool. That is so cool. What a badass. Yeah, that's fucking rad. <laughs> wow, so he's a cool awesome. dude. Yeah, so he's a cool dude. And then, um, I don't know, that I, I, I didn't find like anything on John Kramer. And then Bob Lang, I didn't find really anything on him. Sandy Warner, the model. There's a yeah, lot we of stuff talk about, about her. her. Honestly, Might as well talk like, about her. I mean, she... She's very important to the entire genre. She is, but outside of just, I don't know, maybe you found something different, but outside of the cover art, boring. I mean, yeah, she was she was in a few movies. Um, what was it? Uh, what is that movie? What The Washington movie? 
like Millie, not Millie goes to Washington. What is that fucking movie? It's a very popular movie. Millie Vanilli. Fuck, I don't remember the name of the movie. Of the movie, but anyway, she was in several like bigger movies of the era. Uh, she had a twin sister who was also an actress. And uh, what's interesting about her is that she was on the first on Martin Denny's first twelve records uh, yeah. on the album cover, uh, but sixteen overall. So, you know, whatever you know, whatever. Twelve. The first. Let's just say the first twelve. And uh, there are sometimes when you don't know it's her because they make her appearance so different. Like they put wigs on her, they change her makeup, uh, her makeup, and it's kind of cool. I mean, to use I the had same, no idea the, the she same was the girl. First, she's the same fucking girl. Some of these girls look entirely different. We're talking like right? skin tones yeah. different. Yeah. No, there are moments where she looks very, very different, but it's all the same girl. Yeah, and she she was the image of Exotica at the time. Or yeah. still to this day. I mean, you can't think of Exotica without thinking of of Sandy Warner. So, but she's also a name that's kind of been forgotten in the the sands of time because nobody really cares about the genre except for, you know, a very small group of people. And yeah, so there's, there's that. Just, there's like there's just, there's heavy ties with Exotica to to just like U.S. culture, and like another guy too, uh, Webley Edwards, the dude that they recorded at. And and Webley oh, Edwards yeah. is a is a guy that I mean I have no fucking idea who he was, but he's from like Oregon, died in Hawaii, but he's famous for being the person to tell America that we're getting attacked during Pearl Harbor. He's the one that on no, she, air. Was he really? Yeah, the guy that they oh, recorded, fuck. the guy that owned the studio they recorded this at was the dude that said, "Oh hey, yeah, yeah, um, you're right, yeah, everybody, yeah. we're fucking, we're getting attacked like right now." If you're in the Marines, the Navy, the Army, report now because we're going to fucking war. The yeah. first person in America to do that was the guy that they recorded this at. Like this, this fucking That's pretty wild. Studio. But then when you think about it too, Hawaii, Hawaii is such a small island or islands. So you really only get, I mean, at this time especially, anything Americanized is only going to be on like two islands. Two of the, True. I, I forgot how many islands there are, but yeah. But it just, so there's it not just a lot going on. Pushes the, the agenda of of I don't know Hawaii being like a part of the U.S. and 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 just yeah yeah like why 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 is all this so connected in such a tight little package? Is it because of just proximity? Because Hawaii is so small, or is it something more? I don't know. It's just it's very it was it was very interesting to see how all of this is just so packed so tightly. Yeah, I mean, and also considering too, Hawaii is for the most part is very rural. There's only very small. Have you ever been to? Have you ever been there? No, I would never go to Hawaii. No. Oh, I mean, I I've been I've been to a few of the islands there, and I mean, but outside of like the resort area, you go you can drive around like almost all or most of the islands. You could drive around the entire island within like five hours, and we we used to do it growing up when my family and I used to go there. We would like especially because we spent a lot of time on Maui, and you could drive around that whole island in like four hours. Like literally the entire coast around the whole so island small. in like four hours. And we would do it and but everything is pretty much all in one central area. And that's kinda how every most I as far as I can remember, that's pretty much how most of the islands are, outside of like maybe the big island or maybe Kauai. But yeah, it's it's a very it's a very densely populated populated in certain areas. And I can't even imagine what it must have been like in the fifties. Like even less so, so it's just it's it's fucking far, dude. Like I'm not fly. I've flown over the ocean like once, and I was going to Europe, 
and I hate, yeah. hate, hate flying. There's no way in hell you'll ever get me to Hawaii. There's it's no only a six-hour flight. It's not that bad. Over the fucking ocean. Nah, what's the difference between land they and They just ocean? lost that fucking plane in like 2015, the Malaysia plane. <laughs> they still haven't found it. In, in 2015, how do you lose a plane yeah, in this day and age? But, it, but also, also, if Pass. you're in the plane, if you're in the plane, does it matter where you crash? It doesn't matter if they find the plane or not. No, you're gone. You're done. Eventually, though. it won't matter. But I don't know. What if they? What the other dude that landed in the Hudson in fucking New York, the one they based the Tom Hanks movie yeah. off of? Yeah. He landed the plane fairly. And because they were close to land, they could send little boats out and shit. No, you're in the middle of the Pacific. You're but dead. Also, co- comparing comparing Pass. it to the Hudson River incident, he was already landing. He was already slowing down. He was already descending. He wasn't going four <laughs> or five hundred miles an hour. He was going significantly less. I don't know nothing about so planes. hitting the water. All I know is there no way in hell I'm fucking flying a plane over just water. Like if I look to my left, to my right, to my forward, to my back, and all I see is horizon, pass, hard pass. <laughs> Not, dude. I fucking hate flying so much, and there's no way in hell you get me on a plane over the water like that. No. But way. you already did it once, so why not again? And I will never do it again. You would never go to Europe again. You're, no. F- you're flat out lying to me. I'm not lying to you. I'm not. Gonna, you would go that's again. A fucking twelve hour flight that I don't want to take. No way. You would go to Switzerland again. You would 100 no. percent would. I can no, get you to I go. I can no, convince you, you to go. go. Give me like a month. I could convince you to go. A month. You, you convince me to go to like like Winnipeg. I'll do that for sure. Like I'll, I'll meet you up north. Absolutely. <laughs> Good on it's Panama, irrational. For sure. It's, on, it's honestly irrational. It's not. It is irrational. Really no. No. Because all these fucking pilots are probably up there drinking, goofing off, playing Pokemon Go, trying to get catch them all or some <laughs> shit. I don't know what they're fucking doing. I don't know what the pilots are doing. They always come on. They go, "Uh, this is captain speaking." And the next like five minutes is, "Thank you for flying." And that's it. Like, I don't know what they're fucking saying. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh, dude, you are just—you make no sense. No sense at all. I really don't like flying at all. No, I, 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 like I, I understand you don't like flying. Like, I totally, I totally understand that. But the idea that you wouldn't—you would rather fly over land than water, when in the end, it doesn't really matter. I mean, water seems like it would be safer to fly over in case something did happen. Then you crash, you know, you call for help. There's a ba- there's bound to be a boat somewhere that will come help you, as opposed to crashing into land. Like you're pretty much fucking dead. Well, it's the but, same idea. I mean, when, when crashing into water at that speed and you know height, it's the same as hitting concrete. But you don't. You're not kidding at it at a nine degree angle. You're you're coming in. At, oh, I know. At an I know. Angle, but you're you're, s- you're essentially landing. And but still, when the bottom of the plane is not going to get ripped apart like it would be on concrete, no, it's maybe. for sure he's smoother landing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And the fact know. that, dude, the fact that they fucking lost an airplane in 2015, I think it was 2015, the Malaysia Airlines. I think it was, like yeah. They, they yeah, never found it. How was that even possible in today's times? It's not possible. That is some fucking 1970s shit. That's like D.B. Cooper jumping out of a plane. We never found him. Okay, I get it. That was 40 years ago. It's not How possible. How is that possible? Man. It's not possible. It's fucking bullshit. It's not possible. So, it, there's something more nefarious going on. It's, of course it's not there possible. is. And that's why I don't fly. I don't want to get shot down by some <laughs> fucking opposing pirates over the sea. <laughs> by some Somalian pirates. I said, what's other movie with Tom Hanks? By some Tuscan Raider. Tom Hanks is always in movies where he's stranded or getting fucked up, right? By that's, planes. Yeah, right? Yeah. 
Wow, See? I didn't even it's think more, about that. Dude, and Tom Hanks also, too. It's a sigh out, man. Anyway, um, back, to, topic here. back to Martin Denny. Okay, so that was that was quite the rant we had about yeah. airplanes and you flying over water and all that bullshit. It's not going to happen. Um, are we going to get happen. into the album, or are we just going to talk about bullshit? Well, no. No, what I was going to say is, let's play another song from the record, because we already played Quiet we Village. We haven't even talked about Quiet Village. Okay, then let's talk about Quiet Village. Fuck, man. You're yelling at me. You, all you do is yell at me. What do you got on because Quiet Village? This is stupid, constantly. What what banger is this? I know this is like probably your 1B. This is my 1B. So. Yeah, of course. It this is, is my 1B, yeah. This is my 2B. It's a great... Uh, okay, so what's the big deal? Why, this is my why are you fussing over the 1B? I, yeah, the first thing I wrote is right off the bat with the birds. Of course, right off the bat you with the birds. But gotta have the birds. But, have the birds. I, but I will say, like, like as far as like psychedelic music is concerned, psychedelic music is kind of interesting in the sixties and seventies because it wants you to it, it wants to put you into a place, in a specific place. It it, it has something specific in mind, mm-hmm. and the way the music is presented is it wants you to feel what it wants you to feel. And that's exactly <laughs> what exotic music is. Exotic music is like the OG psychedelic music because right from the get-go, right off the bat, from the first 20 seconds, I am now taken out of my suburban home in, in Arizona and I am put into the Tiki Room in Disneyland. <laughs> and it's, I think that's cool. I think there's something to be said about that. There's something to be uh, said about taking you out of your, your, your normal place and putting you somewhere completely different. And something like exotic is completely different. Not just, you know, 60s yeah. San Francisco. Exotic is something completely different. Like you, we, we can't even like pin down what it wants you to think. Are we talking like Amazon know, rainforest? Right? Like what, what are we talking about here? I don't know. Yeah, because it, it doesn't, it really, it really doesn't touch upon like the bossa nova or samba that you would really expect from this style of music. It's, it's just so unique within itself. It, I mean, I, I I can't even explain it. Like you said, it, you cannot explain this style of music. It's so so niche. It's weird. Very it's fucking very weird. weird. Ugh, God. It's very weird and like uncalled for. It's 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 one of those things that like nobody ever asked for, but then we got it. I was like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. Pretty sick. Yeah. But this is also <laughs> one of those things like new metal where you made fun of it in front of your friends, but realistically, everybody kind of liked it. Yeah, that's what exotic kind of seems like. Twenty years later, twenty years later, everybody's saying, "Oh, I fucking loved it. I love this shit." Fuck you. Yeah. Where were you for the last twenty years? Well, Limp Biscuit for sure, but yeah, yeah. That's People cool. love corn now. I mean, they loved them back then, but there was that that <sighs> fifteen year gap where nobody liked them. I still don't like corn. But yeah, Quiet Village. See, I know, I know you're just straight up lying. Like, <laughs> straight up a lying. fucking liar, man. <laughs> Quiet, so Quiet Village is my is my two B. It's uh, a good song. It's a good song. It is, and this is a Les Baxter song. This, this is, is a um, Les Baxter song. There are what five songs on here out of the twelve that are Les Baxter uh, covers, and this is Les Baxter's I think his most popular song he ever did, or he ever wrote, and it was even popularized more because Martin Denny did it, and um, it's very very. Very good, and what what it's what's cool too about this song is that you know the first half of the song is Martin Denny kind of doing his thing with his melodic kind of piano playing. He doesn't he's never really show off. He he never does that. He just knows kind of how to hook you and just kind of make you feel relaxed. 
But then yeah. halfway through, he kind of he kind of steps back a little bit and lets Arthur come in or or uh, Julius come in, depending on what version you're listening to. Lets them come in and kind of do their thing and kind of be the forefront of the song while still having the bird calls and the weird percussion and all that kind of stuff. But it's cool. I, I, I like that that it's 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 a good it's a good way to 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 uh what what do we say to it's a good thesis statement for the the record. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Like, it's gonna yeah, show absolutely. you it, sh- it shows you exactly what the record's gonna sound like. This is the most exotica probably song of all time. Like this is this is it. I think Yeah. There's nothing better than this. Not to say this is like a great track or anything. It's just like you said, this is a thesis. This is what it should be. This is the blueprint of everything else that came afterwards. Yeah. For the short period of time. But uh, but it's not my favorite track. Period. But it's not my favorite track. Okay, so th- let's get into your favorite song because we already played Quiet Village, obviously. So what do you my got? my favorite song? I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's uh, Similau, Similu, Similau, Similu, Similau. I would say six. Similau, Similau, Similau. Yeah, that's my three B. That's my three B. This is my this is my fave. This is like <laughs> I call this the monster waltz. <laughs> There's a lot of howls. There's a lot of screams. There's some cool background vocals. It's very heavy. (laughs) And it just sounds like everyone's having such a good time. And like literally nobody is taking this shit seriously. And that's that's why it's so good. So I I put with this one, I said back with the animal sounds. And it's more primate and jungle sounding. Uh, But overall, it's more piano based until you get halfway through. And then it picks up and there's just a shit ton of percussion. And then it's more like a dance jam. Oh, dude, it picks up and it's just it's it turned into so great. Like the piano hitting the piano the piano's hitting a lot of scales and high notes. And the xylophone is hitting a lot of the the high notes also to give it kind of sort of a, a panicked feeling. And then mm-hmm. it finally yeah. drops down to a slower waltz again. And then the bird calls come in. And then it ends the same way that it came in. So it's this really cool kind of like I'm going to open the door to a party. I'm going to walk in. We're going to go crazy. And then as I leave the party, everything calms down, and then I close the door. And that's what I felt like this song was. It told the story in the music, and it was insane. All within what, like maybe three and a half minutes? If that. I oh, mean, two yeah, minutes. No, most, most of these songs are like two minutes. one minute and 59 seconds. Yeah, it's yeah, one minute and 59 Not even two minutes. <laughs> That's the genius behind this record too. It's so short, but and but it's still it just makes you I don't know, it just makes you feel good. This record is so feel good and it's so hard to explain. It's very hard to explain, but and what made this this doing this album on the pod kind of difficult too is that I've never I've never differentiated between the different songs minus like some of the more far eastern sounds. I guess you could say like the more you know the lutes and the the more chinese sounding instruments that come in outside yeah. of those like everything kind of just <laughs> is jumbled together which is fine it's this album is meant to be heard as a whole not as single individual tracks but yeah i mean that's i mean that's like that's like comparing punk hardcore punk music in like the the, the late 80s early 90s like a lot of stuff is going to sound the fucking same all these bands are going to sound the same yeah and it's, yeah. that's fine but that's even that's like taken from a lot of source material to get to that point. Exotica is 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 taken from source material that's been around for 
maybe 10 years. Like, that's it. Not even that. <laughs> not, I mean, really, not even that. Like, like it's it's taken big band, but then adding just this weird tribal kind of tinge to it to make something entirely new that has never been heard from again. Yeah, so you're, it's, you're totally right. I, I mean, I don't know. it's weird. We'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about tiki culture and how it's kind of been brought up again. But um, let, let's get it. Let's play a little bit of a similao from uh, the Martin Denny's. So here we go. Similao from Simulao. Martin Denny. Similao. The Martin Denny's. <laughs> the, the, the bird the bird calling. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't until like maybe a couple months ago when you really started to like double down on how much you hated the bird sounds to where yeah. it started to get almost distracting when I would listen. But yeah, I still love it. I love it. It it adds so much character to the songs. Love Again, it. like I, I didn't realize until this week that it wasn't the bird, the bird calling that I hated. It's, it's the symbols. So, <laughs> I will, uh, I will say that. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so what, what? So that was your two B, right? Uh, no, that was my one B. Similar. Oh, it was your one B. Okay, then yeah, your two B was quite a village. Yeah. And what's your three B? Uh, busy port. Busy port. That is my. Four B. Wait, where's where the fuck is Busy Port? Reading is hard. Oh, that's my two B. That's my two B. That is my two B. Like okay, first so they first another Les Baxter song by the way. Them fucking symbols are loud. They (laughs) are loud, 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 and super distracting. But much like the title suggests, this is a busy little tune. Everything is kind of going off in like different ways. The piano is hitting a lot of notes. The xylophone is doing about half of it. And there's this cool snare sound in the back that I like, and it mm. sounds like the chains on the on the snare being struck. But then I thought like maybe it's just like somebody using brushes on a snare itself and sliding it around and then hitting it. Whatever yeah. it is, it sounds really cool. It sounds really crisp, and I like it. And then at the very end, there's this cool drum solo and double time thing at the end. I like it. I do too. Good and track. and busy port. It it's built. I mean, 
Okay, so Les Baxter is a composer or was a composer. He did a lot of movie soundtracks, scores, and all that. So he knows how to arrange music to a scene of a movie. So when you read the title "Busy Port" and you listen to this song, even though yeah, it's exoticified and all that, it still kind of makes you think of like a bustling city or a bustling like just a lot of people around a lot of stuff happening like it's a good representation of what the title wants you to think of it as if that makes sense i don't know yeah i guess but uh outside of that though this is this is one of the songs that is more vibe or vibraphone driven with arthur lyman arthur lyman i can't even speak jesus christ You're stuffed up or what? <laughs> oh, I don't know what was happening. But this is more more vibraphone driven, and uh, and it's really cool because this is another example where, where Martin Denny kind of sits back and just kind of interplays with with Arthur, and just kind of fills in the gaps or fills in parts that just kind of accentuate what Arthur's trying to do. And I th- I honestly I think he what Martin Denny was doing was just very. It was so subtle, but it was so good. And he just, you could just, like we talked about earlier, you could just tell he just wanted to have a good time playing music. He never was in it for the fame, it seems like. It was, everything was about the music and the the, the lifestyle and just kind of how relaxed everything in life was. I love it. I love it so much. But yeah, I, 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 perca- percussion's I a little too. loud, but other I think, than that. I think he probably also knew too that this, this, this genre of music was not going to take off. And it barely mm-hmm. did. Like he was fucking lucky, he even got this amount of traction. But yeah, I think that yeah. he just—you're right. He was just cool with. You know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't give a fuck. It is what it is. Maybe the OG really? it is what it is. Uh, we don't. We don't talk about that. We all know that's on the no-no list. I that is see, like that's like the number one on the no-no list. I can see Martin Denny going into like Liberty Records, and they're like, you know, man, this 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 genre is not taking off. We're cutting you. We're we're pulling all funding, and and he'd be like, mm, "It is what it is." In the same respect, <laughs> as he walked into Liberty Records and like, "Dude, it's blowing up! Here's a million dollars. Record whatever you want." Eh, it is what it is. Like, <laughs> I think in the truest form, which has been one hundred percent loss of it is what it is. I think Martin Denny probably exemplifies that. And it, and it shows because, like I said, from fifty seven to like nineteen seventy seventy one, he put out dozens and dozens of records and then bet- for like 20 years he put nothing out because that whole genre was dead and it wasn't until the early 90s when there was this like weird resurgence of of tiki music lounge music exotica whatever you want to call it even swing music that was pretty popular again in the in the mid 90s where he started to record a little bit more or he started to re-record stuff and it was even to the point where in 1990 he re- he recorded a a record with Arthur Lyman who he hadn't spoken really with for like 20 years because he had such a falling out with him after Arthur had left uh after the Exotica record didn't speak with him for over 10 years and so he hadn't worked with Arthur for fucking decades until 1990 with the resurgence and then you know it, it had been up and down since then since the 90s with tiki music and everything like that I, I mean, I I think like lounge music never came back. I, I in the sense that it did the first time. I think mm. at most lounge music came back as a novelty. It's saying, hey, remember this thing oh, yeah, used to totally. exist? Guys like Richard Cheese are are now making like a, a 
good, good living off of lounge music since 2000. And like yeah. Richard Cheese is fantastic lounge music. But that's, but that's a joke. Like it's, I agree. Yeah. He's, he's a joke band, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think I think like tiki culture itself also is 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 based in in I don't know kind of jokiness, kind of campiness, fun jokiness, but also in a in a in a like an innocence, like um like th- there was not. It felt like with with tiki music and exotica music, there was never any never any music that wanted to have any sort of fame or there was no gain in it. Like I felt like the, a lot of the people in the genre outside of like Jackie Gleason, who was obviously only doing stuff to make money, you know, they were, they were just doing it for fun and that was it. No, no monetary gain. And maybe that's why it didn't last. I don't know. I don't fucking know, but maybe I, I it was more know. of a government thing. Maybe either. it was more of a government thing. Like we talked about too, you know, this blowing up right before, Hawaii is made a uh, ratified as a state for the United States. I mean, it's it's something to think about and to kind of look into. A weird coincidence, and then it quickly dies out. You know, within the next five years. I, Strange. It's, there's all. I mean, there's a whole lore involved. I mean, just like the tiki lore itself, and mm-hmm. that that whole I don't know backstory, which I read like a little bit of it, and I thought just this is a lot of work. I don't want to do it anymore. But that whole lore itself too is just a whole other can of worms. So, this is based yeah. on on I don't know rich rich history, but history that most people don't don't care about outside of drinking a mai tai, still to this day. So I'm I'm actually supposed to be I'm supposed to be going to Hawaii uh, this coming summer. So oh, damn! Oh, you yeah. got a lot of you bring you got a lot of stuff to catch up on then. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So. Dude, there's got to be a Harold. There for sure is a Harold Chang like museum. Like you can go to some place because he was honored with like Hawaii's that culture's Grammy. He was honored with that okay. that name. And there's like a whole thing about Harold Chang. I'm I'm gonna I'm seriously I'm gonna do a shit ton of research before I go, and I'm, I want to hit up all the the little the little things like this because I mean nobody else in my family or Tammy she's not gonna give a fuck. But oh, I mean, nobody's gonna give a fuck. Nobody's gonna, yeah, nobody's <laughs> gonna give a fuck except for me. But um, but no, I'm definitely gonna because I think we're going to the Big Island. So I don't know how much is there on the Big Island. I have to, like I said, I have to do I have a lot of research to do. But yeah, I'm, I'm more likely than not gonna be going to Hawaii this summer for my mom's birthday, 60th Damn. birthday, big Damn. big old shebang, big old so, shebang. Yeah, shebang, it'll be fun. Shebangs. It'll be fun. I fucking no, be love. Great. I mean, Hawaii is really Hawaii. Hawaii. I mean, it's very touristy, but it's still very nice. It's a very nice, very nice state place. To Honestly, be. I've 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 known a lot of people that have been to Hawaii, and they all kind of say the same thing. They all say that, oh yeah, it's fucking touristy. It's expensive. A gallon of milk is like ten dollars, but it's so great. It's so great. Like that's I think it's, that's I, the, that's a consensus. Yeah, it's a it's expensive, but it's it's the. I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's just a very nice place to be. Like, you feel very comfortable there, and it's relaxed. I don't know. It, it's weird. It, it's it's there so fucking just, cliche. It's I, so I fucking just, cliche, man. Oh, but, like, it. everybody I've known that's gone there has said, like, nine horrible things about it, but then the tenth thing they said is, like, but it's so great, and I want to go back. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> the first nine things they said was awful, but then they say, but it's so great, and I want to go back. 
and I and I have said for many years, like I don't, I have like no desire to go to Hawaii, but because I haven't been anywhere in like years, especially because of the of COVID, like I just want to go somewhere, and I just want to go somewhere with people I like being around, and just just doing something very different because it's just I've been living in monotony for so long, for years and years and years. I just want to go somewhere, and this just sounds so much fun, even though I've been I haven't been to this island. But I've I've been to Hawaii so many times. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. And dude, it's so cheap. You should buy, because I'm sure that you can buy some bootleg somewhere. Buy a Martin Denny shirt, and then wear it oh, when you go yeah. out to Hawaii. <laughs> Fuck it, buy <laughs> just buy an Exotica, like the just the cover art of it, the cover like art, some yeah. screen press thing. Buy that and then wear it to Hawaii and see if anybody notices. It could either go really like I could look like a total fucking buffoon, or I could be like one of those people who walks around the, like, and then I get like the hookup. You know, I go to a bar and like, oh wait, you know who Martin Denny is? And I can, I can, and then, and then dude, I can't even speak. And then I could drop all. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my excitement taking over. But then I could drop all this knowledge about Martin Denny, you know, and Arthur Lyman. And you will and, have no, you will have this knowledge. And then what I'll do is I'll say, check out the pod. I'll give him a sticker. I'll say, check out the podcast. We talked about Martin Denny on the pod back in January. Wow. This is. That's what you I'll do. Really, you honestly really should wear like a Martin Denny, some type <laughs> of Martin Denny t-shirt. I do like which, that. I do like that idea. Which yeah. probably doesn't even exist because who the fuck would ever screen press like a Martin Denny t-shirt? Except from us. Because we're stupid. Yeah. Because we're stupid. I, I would. I, I'm actually. That's, I, I like that idea a lot. I do like, like that idea a lot. Like, like in my imagination that's running wild right now. I, I imagine you wearing this shirt out to all these bars and then like some old guy in the back of the bar, like Mr. Miyagi style, is like, hey. And the whole bar goes quiet. And you're like, huh? And like the record scratches. <laughs> and he's you, come here. Because that's how people talk in Hawaii, I guess. And there are bins, I don't know. But then there's this whole thing that opens up and you become like the next king of Hawaii because... This is going crazy. That's not <laughs> how anything would ever happen, but I know that's but you know so cool. Get somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the yeah, middle. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. And then I, w- I was talking because I was at my sister's house earlier this week, and I was talking to my brother-in-law about this whole trip, and because um, obviously he'll be there, and uh, he's re- he's a lot of fun to party with, <clears throat> and and, I, and they went there a few a couple like two years ago, three years ago, and I was saying like. I was saying, dude, I don't want to like do everything on the resort. Like, I want to go out and just do local stuff and like dive bars and this and that. And he's like, oh yeah, Brooke and I went to like a bunch of different dive bars. We'll go to a bunch of them. It's like they were awesome. Yes. Like everybody was really great. I'm like, fuck. At least I got one person with me on my side. So I'm like, because that's what no, I really want to do as well. No like, matter on top of what, everything. though, you got to go to like a record store and you got to buy. Uh, I got to buy something. You got to buy yeah. both. Just uh, like what? Just give me some local shit and then just buy it. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Like that is yeah. like minimum. Record store I'm we're going to do I'm 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 going to do definitely by myself cuz I don't like taking people who don't collect vinyl. That's stupid. It's boring. Yeah, and then some of the touristy stuff obviously we're going to I mean a lot of the tourist touristy stuff we're going to do. But then, you know, I want to definitely get with like the dive stuff because Yeah, that's, that's where it's at. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited for it. And fucking tickets are so cheap, man. For like everything, it's like 1100 bucks. 
That's because you might not come back. They'd be like, oh, oh you, you got to be tested fucking negative for something. And then you're end up living a Hawaii forever. I don't give a fuck. That's true. Yeah. eleven. But no, dude, no, seriously, it's 1100 bucks for a round trip ticket plus the resort. The resort, not uh, just the hotel, but the resort I for seven days. I am not for seven days. flying over six hours. For seven days. For seven days. That's a fucking killer fucking deal. Have you not seen Castaway? I have, have you seen, seen Castaway. Cast I have seen Castaway. Yeah. Is that what you want to happen to you? you I'll be dead. I don't be give a ball? fuck. I'll be dead. What do I care at that point? I'll be dead. Fuck. You'll Lord be of the dead. Flies. Come on. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get back to the album. Uh, album we. Let, let's listen to Busyport real quick, just because we haven't. So. Okay. Here's that. Here's Busyport from Martin Denny. <laughs> Go busy port from Martin Denny, originally from Bless Baxter. Mm. All right, we're getting now, somewhere. What's we're the what's, somewhere? What's that instrument that they use the the percussion instrument like where they scratch where they scratch it up and down? What is that? I, I don't know. That's that's the sound that I thought was sounded like the chains on the on the snare, but I think it's no. It, it's a wood instrument with a stick. Like it's like it's a like it's a it's a ball like a wooden ball with like rivets in it or not rivets but like uh, grooves in it and then you have a wooden stick and you you swipe it up and down. Not even a ball, maybe it's just like a stick, but you just swipe the <laughs> stick on stick. You know what I mean? I I know I I know what you mean. Like I I I know this is busy port yet, not the snare yet, but like this is I know what you're talking about. It's just I don't I don't know what it's talking I don't know what it's called like the jawbone of the donkey I didn't know what it was called last week when we talked about it. But then this instrument is like it's such a common thing. I feel stupid that we don't know it. So is that fucking jawbone of the donkey? Like that. <laughs> the way I'm describing it is how it started, but it's it's yeah, common yeah. term is very very common. But like these percussive instruments, they're they're. Dude, they're a dime a dozen. There's hundreds of them. Even in like the yeah, marimba, so xylophone family, there's there's like fucking fifteen different ones. The I know. Only I, difference I had is how no big idea. one is in the other one. <laughs> I know. I had no idea until we started collecting vinyl, and I started to like really, really enjoy the the sound of the vibraphone, xylophone, xylophone, marimba, all that shit. It's all the fucking same. But yeah, like you said, it's all the size of the actual to the metal tubes themselves. That's all what it comes down to. Yeah. That's it. Much like, you know, I guess a guitar and a bass or 
you know, various other woodwind or brass instruments. All right, so Busy Port, we played that. Uh, what, what else do you want to do? What else do you want to talk about? What do you think? Um, well, there's a couple stuff. I, I, I want to talk about Hong Kong blues and China, China Nights. Okay, yeah, let's get into that. China, Hong Kong blues is an okay song for me. China Nights is a 5B, barely. But okay. I, are these Bs for you at all? I'm not sure if these all are Bs They're, for you because you're a little cuck. I mean, every 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 song is a B, but you know of there course. are some lesser Bs, some lesser Bs. But uh, trying to, I mean, they're the more far eastern sounding songs with the lutes and the gongs and you know God, all these the. These are so. These are so fucking stereotypical. Like, like, hey, let's make an Asian sounding song in the most generic way possible, and that's exactly what China Nights and then the Hong Kong Blues is. But, but with that being said, how many songs prior to 1957 had you heard with these kind of instruments? That is true. That Could is this true. have been like the first of that? And then in the 70s, especially the 70s, but more, but also the 60s, you know, everybody kind of jumps on these exotic sounds and throws them into the pop music and everything that we know today. Like this could have been just, I, I, I honestly, I feel like exotica music is the most innocent music you could have had at this this point in time or really ever i mean i feel like there's no cultural appropriation i feel like this is like strictly at least with martin denny i feel like this is just him just enjoying what he heard throughout his travels and his touring of different countries and taking what he enjoyed and incorporated into his own arrangements i i I, I think that's what it was i thought that because this is so damn early on and it's been done so many times and I can still play this thing on the piano that's like ding 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 <laughs> like that sound yeah. is so done but it's only because we've been we've been hearing it since this era however the song chopsticks the it wasn't even called chopsticks to begin with it was called something else and it was made by some british composer in like the late 1800s so okay. chopsticks has been around well before this was, but was so, it called chopsticks back then? I mean, the the chopsticks name was was given shortly after it was invented. It was called something else. It was called like the chop something, the chop waltz, probably or the chop. I don't know the, the chop something, but then it was given okay. the name chopsticks. So so like there is something to be said about that sound, that sound that us Americans feel. The appropriation is, is, I guess, is the easiest PC term to to give today. Is is like, dude, this is so bad. It's it's not a good song. It's just <laughs> stupid. It's terrible. It's fine. It's fine. The China Nights is better than Hong Kong that. Blues because I like the tune. It's a followable tune, and I don't know, like the, mm-hmm. like the way the piano and the xylophone match notes and everything. I think that's fine. But fuck, man, it's so typical. It's so generic. It's so derivative. It's so... But it's derivative of what, dumb. though, at the time? That's what I'm saying. It's not derivative of really anything prior to this. But I just uh, told you, like, Chopsticks more, itself is, a, is an okay, example. You're giving and I me knew one this example. would come up. That's why I searched out Chopsticks. But, there's but that's a big example. That. That's, like, the first but thing everybody learns on the piano is Chopsticks. Name me other, name me other one, one other song. You can't. I did it because I only did one. I only named one. I, I, only, I only researched one thing I could think of. <laughs> Chopsticks. But that's a big example, though. Come on. 
Like, it that's is. A no, big it is. Example. It is. That is the first I, I had song no that idea most people learned on the far. piano. But then, but then, like I said, who came up with the 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 name of Chopsticks? It wasn't the guy who who created the song. It was obviously created after. So who? I don't think it was him. Created name. So who created but the name? How long after after it was originally composed? Which is so bizarre because the guy that composed it was a, is a British guy. So so somebody at some point uh, renamed it into Chopsticks. I don't know. I think I, I honestly I think they name it Chopsticks because you play it with just two fingers. And it looks yeah, like it you're playing with chopsticks. No, I'm I'm telling you that's this is this is fact. It's exactly you play it with just two fingers. <laughs> yeah, that's why they call it chopsticks. No, I, I, no, I, I understand that. Yeah, I'm I playing do, it right now. I you can't see me, but I'm doing it. I'm but are you playing it with chopsticks? <laughs> yes. Do you remember in the Do you remember in the movie The Aristocats uh, when they're playing Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, and then when the the Siamese cat comes up and plays, he literally plays with chopsticks. Oh God. Do you See? remember that? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. I mean, First of all, because I don't like aristocrats or cats. Aristocats. Yeah, get it right or pay the price. But what about the We Are Siamese song? The We Are Siamese. Uh, that's a, Come yeah. on. Nah, I know. This, I know. Is, this is what we do. This is, this it's is a good what song, we do though, is, right? No, it is. It's a fantastic song. And I love this <laughs> it's song. A good it's so song, catchy. Yeah. And the way the two cats play off each other and how they like... I don't know. Go behind each other and make it to one. It's so cool. Yeah. No, it's a great. But, it's a great come on, part of the movie. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I think. I think even in Aristocats, they might say. I don't think they say Ching Chong. They go. He says something a lot. I don't know. He says something kind of like weird like that, and then Fortune Cookie tells me something. It's it's very, very not PC for uh, you know. The modern day, but isn't for, isn't a fortune cookie not even like a Chinese thing? Isn't that like an American thing or like somebody besides like probably. China invented the fortune cookie? It, it, what it probably was is like you know the Chinese immigrants coming here in the eighteen hundreds. They introduced something to to appeal to the white people or to appeal to Americans. It's probably what it was. Yeah, I, like I'm pretty Korea sure like fortune cookie was invented in like pro- honestly, I think fortune cookie was probably invented in like San Francisco, like Chinatown, San Francisco. Well, that's what I was saying. Like probably yeah, up there because remember we like went to the, the the fortune the fortune cookie factory when we were there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and we got all those like really good fortune cookies. Those, Dude, those we, so, they're, they're I the forgot we ones. did a whole like day in Chinatown. Yeah, we did a whole fuck, and you were yeah. We ate it like yeah. no, yeah, for sure. Oh, oh my god! Then I bought that <laughs> rice hat too. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh yeah. Jesus! That was a good hat, though. That was a cool hat. Yeah, that was a hot yeah. day. But yeah, I forgot we even like we even ate at like restaurants too that I yeah. didn't eat anything at. I just drank and yeah, because there was no burgers or chicken fingers on the menu, so I couldn't eat. And you cannot eat. <laughs> yeah. So you had water. I will have water. <laughs> good times. Yeah, but yeah, we Idiots. went to that fortune cookie factory. I totally but, like in that in that alley. Wow. It's like that like super small alley. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> Very cool. That trip awesome. was a shit show, but we're not going to talk about that trip. But uh, back to these trip. two songs. No, it was not a good trip at all. Oh, you, you lit yeah, up no, the fire alarm not, and no. everybody got called out, but that's fine. No, I didn't. But anyway, th- this song, do we have anything else left on China Nights and Hong no. Kong? Hong Kong, Kong Fooey? Is that what Hong you were going to say? No, I was trying to like do Hong Kong like how Screaming Jay Hawkins says it. Oh. But. <sighs> Dude, Hong Kong Fooey is such a good cartoon too. Was that really a cartoon? Yeah, Hong Kong Fooey. Fantastic. I don't remember that. 
Anyway, um, other than that, yes, I I, I have um I, don't, I have some notes on like like some of the the other guys. So I want to just I mean we go I, I have a lot of notes. I have like fourteen hundred words on notes. Jesus and Christ. Hong Kong Blues is it was written by a guy named Hoagie Carmichael. Did you, yeah, did you I look at this dude at all? Yeah, I looked him up. It was back in like the twenties and thirties and shit. So this guy, this guy, this guy was probably the most interesting out of all the dudes that I've I've, I've read today, not today, but in the past week. He um he was crazy popular in like the Tin Pan Alley era, the big band era. Yeah, he yeah. actually wrote the tune to Heart and Soul, the Heart and Soul that song, that piano song. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's his song. Do you know the song? I don't know that song. I'm not familiar with it. Oh, that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wrote that fucking song. No shit. Yeah. And he wrote just hundreds of other jazz standards that have been covered and whatever. But he also used to hang out a lot with this dude named Bix Beater Becky. Yeah, which we've talked about. And if you, if you remember, this yeah. is the guy that, like, remember he, like, fucking died under his, like, in his bed or some shit because he thought yeah, some because Mexican he had, like, was a, chasing him with a machete? Yeah, and he had, like, this full mental breakdown and, and died. Like, of yeah. he died of, like, um, it was, like, a heart attack. Or not even a heart attack. I think it was just, like, stress or something like that. It, it was, it was really weird. He specifically said that he thought, like, a Mexican was chasing him with a machete. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's what like caused all of it. He fronted a, a blues group called the Wolverines, and he was just he was just crazy influential. And he knew like Louis Armstrong, and he knew like Dizzy Gillespie. He knew all these people. But anyway, the Hoagie Carmichael, who wrote Hong Kong Blues, was like friends with them, and they said hang out all the time. And then like I read that Hoagie Carmichael wrote so much fucking music in the early days that he was making mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just on royalties. From his standards, and we're talking really in the fifties, sixties, seventies. He was making two, three hundred thousand dollars a year just on royalties from the amount of Holy music that shit. he wrote. That is crazy. That is crazy, that, especially at that time. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's, like you, you never fucking know who this guy is, and that's no. And again, like we've we've said it before, but like the the best money you could possibly make is in like studio type work. Is in the yeah. behind the scenes type work and like Josh Freeze, like the dude is is made, like that's the best thing you could do is is doing studio work because you don't have to commit to a full tour, you don't got to commit to a long term band. You come in, you do your work, you go home still. That's yeah. it, and you reap the benefits. Holy Love shit! It. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm just I just clicked on his wiki real quick. He has a a pretty big wiki page. Massive. Yeah, it's pretty uh, extensive for a guy I've never heard of, and I can guarantee most people listening or anybody listening to this podcast has never heard of this guy. And you never would. I think that's that's kind of like the way he kind of wanted it to. I don't think that these guys, I think a lot of these guys from this era were happy writing these jazz standards, writing these these musical standards that went on to be covered two, three times a decade for the next 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah. Makes sense. He died in 1982 as well. And I think... Or uh, 1981. 1981, sorry. I'm going to start saying it more because we've seen it just so many goddamn times. We've never said it a lot, but he's he's one of the guys that lost his stuff in the 2008 Universal Fire. Oh, man, dude. It's like like every other episode we do on the pod, it's a band that... Or artist that lost all their... uh, Lost all the masters during that fire. 
we should we should be saying it more though because like honestly even our research like i'm sure you come across it all the time all the we never say time, it yeah. so we should start saying it just to reiterate how intense that shit was yeah how how big of an oversight lost. somebody fucking failed yeah supposedly it kind of makes you wonder too i mean especially since we first kind of we were talking about this at the very beginning of the pod you know over the years i mean was it deliberate was 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 it deliberate in the sense where like people wanted the rights for certain things and destroying the originals might have given more rights to certain companies or or higher ups? I don't know. It's it's it a does very seem weird interesting. situation. It does seem interesting that the two thousand eight Universal fire that destroyed so much things and whatever. But and then the fact that like we're getting into an age now where a lot of artists are giving up their rights to big companies. Like Springsteen, we just talked about in the past couple of weeks. Like, what if we're getting into an age where in the next 15, 20 years, like, you know, 90% of the artists out there now don't own any of their rights because they were quote unquote lost in a fire? So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I fucking, I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't know the, the, the legality of it. And who knows what kind of lobbying is, is going on as we speak for, for some horrible, lawyer that works for sony that is that is working his ass off trying to figure out a way to for sony to own all of these these rights in the next 15 years you know what i mean like i i don't know what's going yeah. on i don't fucking trust these people these horrible no, corporations yeah absolutely so it just it, it does seem it does seem bizarre there's yeah. there, there are way too many artists like not even just artists but popular artists like mainstream popular artists within the last you know 40 years that it lost that whose masters were lost. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too, it's too in a warehouse fire. Like what, what is yeah. 1940? Like a warehouse fire. What the fuck? I know. And with, and with all the regulations, you know, with all in the California. regulations here in California. Yeah, I know. I dude, the like worst I said, of the regulations, dude, I come from, I come from fire and dude, it doesn't make it. It's very strange that, there was this big of an oversight for se- for such a big corporation and this much money and this much at stake, how it could have been bungled this bad. It it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's it got to really be bullshit. Doesn't. It's it, got to be bullshit. There has to be. I honestly feel like there's something more nefarious here. There really there really has to be. It makes no fucking sense. I mean the shit the shit I would do going to you know there was this one place I I, I went to a few times in in laguna which is a very kind of high-end city here in california for those who don't know and what it was was it was a company who specializes in fine wine so literally the entire building is just stacks upon stacks of wine you know stacked up maybe 30 35 feet in the air just wine fucking everywhere millions of dollars worth of wine in this in this particular facility in laguna and what we would do when we would go inspect there they probably had, dude, I would say maybe it was a 5,000 square foot warehouse, which isn't that big actually, but a 5,000 square foot warehouse full of wine, they probably had maybe one, uh, like 140 smoke detectors uh, in, that, <laughs> in that facility just to detect smoke. This does not include the sprinkler system or anything else. This is strictly smoke detectors that were connected directly to the fire department or through the company I worked through and then through the fire department. But 
dude, if if they're covering this much just for wine, like a few million dollars worth of wine, I can't imagine what was going on, you know, protection wise for something like this. Mm. It makes no, it it just logically, it makes no sense. And like you never, you don't ever see like a, oh, a massive fire breaks out in Cota de Casa. Like this this doesn't fucking happen. No, it doesn't. Rich people know how to protect their investment. And especially yes, exactly. rich billionaires know how to protect their investment. Exactly. And that's, and that's exactly what these these master recordings are. Talk. They are an investment. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't sit right at all. With everything I've seen, it does not sit right whatsoever. But whatever. What the fuck do I know? I'm just some what schmuck. What the fuck do I know? But Dead in the next anyways, days. Probably. <laughs> They're gonna send wind their up floating out. in the river. <laughs> the sand. That would be river. cool though. No, that would be cool though if you actually wound up floating in like a New York river. Like they they took you to New York. (laughs) They 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 take me all the way to New York, or they killed you, then took you to New York. I don't know, and then three in the river. That would be cool. Um, Other than that, there's a couple other guys here that I that I looked into that I thought was kind of cool. I don't know if you want to talk about them. Let's do it. Let's get into it. I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah. So this guy, um, Dimitri Tiomkin, Tiomkin. He's he's returned to paradise. He he wrote or co-wrote Return to Paradise, his second song, which I thought was an okay song. He also co-wrote it with Ned Washington, apparently. I don't know. Ned Washington collaborated a lot with Hoagie Carmichael and Dimitri Tiamikin. But uh, Ned Washington is known because he wrote the score for, or the at least he wrote the music, not necessarily the words, but for sure the music for Pinocchio. Oh, okay. That's, he that's wrote weird, Pinocchio. Man. That's and, so and, weird. And he wrote like the melodies, I should say. So like the huh, I'm on, yeah. on, on, on. like he wrote he that did the melody, entire movie, but not the words. He did the Dope. entire movie. Dope movie. Um, but then this guy Dmitry Tiomkin, he's a Russian-born composer and just crazy prolific, crazy influential. But he wrote a bunch of Western scores for movies, like in the fucking. 30s and 40s and 50s and he was pumping out scores so often that it was like pretty much a score every month and a half every two months maybe for movies and they were all successful movies but his big break came from a 1937 movie where the director gave him free reign over the score and he said that the, the director said he would only listen to the score when it was completely finished and he would use it no matter what that was his first score that he wrote. Some director was just like, yeah, let's do it. And that movie went on to be like a cult classic and in the ensuing decades made a ton of money, but was a complete financial flop for Paramount Pictures and lost him a fuck ton of money. But can you imagine a director telling you, I will let you do whatever the fuck you want. I won't even listen to it until you're done. And no matter what it sounds like, I'm going to use it. Yeah, and then, and then he ballsy. even... And then he even had an argument with the director because the ending scene of whatever this movie was, like the, the guy is supposed to die and then, and then just the movie's supposed to just kind of like transcend into to endness. And he's like, yeah, this, the movie's supposed mm-hmm. to be about death and, and how insignificant your death is. And then the, 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 the composer, this guy Dimitri, is like, no, that's not, that's not what death is. So like a different perspective on death. And Dimitri's like, no, that's not what death is. Death is supposed to be more extravagant than that. Death should be a culmination of your life. It should be about everything you've ever done. The, the, mm-hmm. Like the score should crescendo from there. It should be bigger than everything we've seen in the, in the movie beforehand. And the director's like, yeah, you're right. Let's do that. 
And this is a director that already has movies under his belt. That's already an established director that's that's doing great things. It's unbelievable. I cannot that's believe pretty it. wild. The, the <laughs> amount of trust from this fucking guy. <laughs> that's pretty rad, though. That and the guy, really like, the, he he escaped, like, and the wait, Russian Revolution and then like, emigrated to the this? United States during fucking World War Two and... What was this, early 30s? What did you say it was? When was it? Yeah, they, that was his first big break was the early 30s. Okay, okay. But, Fuck or man. no, not, not late 30s, late 30s, late 30s. Like 30 okay, games, still, I think I said. So. I don't know, delete already. Of course you did. Always yeah. delete your notes, right? I should have read it red. I know, he told me to do it in red. Hopefully you don't forget. Worst, worst. Uh, anyway, what about this anyway. other guy? I, I, Lotus Land. Lotus Land's my four B. Wait, Lotus. Oh, oh, the song. Oh, Jesus Lotus Land, Christ. my four B. The fifth track. This is not. This isn't like a big banger, but this is more of like a, like a far eastern sounding song. You know, it, I'm surprised it's this. I'm surprised it's this high for you, but yeah. in the end, it it kind of goes into more of like an old style jazz thing. So maybe that's why. It's dude. It's just. I mean, first of all, it's more fucking symbols and chimes bullshit. But I like the progression on this one. It leads into this kind of like cool Pink Panther waltz thing. It's elegant. Okay. Yeah. Yet yeah. suspicious. You know, and it slowly <laughs> builds tension and then releases, but within seconds of itself. It doesn't like take a whole song to do it. It doesn't like five fucking seconds. Mm-hmm. It's just it's yeah. up and down. It's 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 seductive. It's. It's cool. It, it, it reminds me of True Lies and the tango between Jimmy Lee Curtis and oh Arnold God. Schwarzenegger. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> How do you compare it to that? <laughs> dude, that's that's one of the best dance sequences in movie history. Straight up. Oh, dude, I don't know. It's not. Because he's so bad at it, but he knows he's so bad at it. And that's the point of the movie is he's so bad at it. But she <laughs> isn't bad at it. She's actually really good at it, but she doesn't know that he's bad at it. Oh, my God, it's so good. Come on, that's Tyler. a great movie. That that True is a great Lies. Movie. True Lies is legit the best action movie of all time. That is fucking. Come fact. on, man. That is fact. <laughs> that's a that's a very bold statement, man. True, True Lies, Lies is great, the but best action movie of all time. You remember when the when the jet comes up above the building? Of course, I remember when the that fucking jet fucking comes right, over the dude. building. Then, then then Arnold like it pans in on Arnold's face, and he's like, it, he kind of like puts his head down, and his eyebrows are real low. He's already got the Neanderthal looking eyebrow thing anyway because he's so buff. Like, God damn, that movie's so good. <laughs> it's really fucking good. And what's the girl's name? Elisha. Uh, Elisha. Alicia. Alicia. Uh, what? Elisha Dushku? Dushku? Oh, that sounds. No, I think Dushku? that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Dude, Star Dude, I haven't, w- Dude, I haven't watched that movie in at least 15 years. It's been so long. That's. That is. That's. It's that's been wrong. so long. That's bad. Maybe maybe that the next bad. movie night I have here at the castle, maybe that's what we'll watch. Yeah, that'll happen. So this other guy <laughs> this other guy that wrote this album or this, this song, his name is Cyril Scott. Yeah, yeah. This guy was super interesting too. Did you read about this guy? No, I did not read about this. <laughs> so this guy this guy Cyril Scott, he he supposed I guess he wrote this piece in like nineteen oh five and then uh, Martin Denny took it and made his own thing out of it. But this guy was super interesting. He was a huge advocate. And don't forget, like, this is early 1900s. Huge mm-hmm. advocate to, like, alternative medicines. He studied yeah, yeah. a wide variety of, like, topics that included, like, like folk medicine, uh, homeopathy, a lot of pseudoscience. 
and he wrote like literature and recorded music and recorded like live just spoken word stuff of both music and stuff like that and then also like in the occultism like this that category just very mm. very big in that and i guess he was he was like widely hailed as as a guy like like one of the uh what do you like a forerunner in in that alternative medicine category somebody who who brought alternative medicine to the to the limelight is this dude right here Cyril scott he he can you imagine somebody like this in modern society how he would be treated in modern society I mean, it'd be no fucking different than anybody that speaks out against. It'd be like a David Koresh. We we would just take him like, ah, it's just some guy. Yeah, who fuck him? Who cares? Just some loony bin. Boring. Yeah. But like <laughs> I don't know. In the early 1900s, I mean, you just you can get tarred and feathered for this shit still. Like some snake oil salesman shit right here. Yeah. But then he did so much outside of that, you know, with all because from what I'm looking through real quick, he put a. I mean, he he composed a lot of music, and then on top of that, I guess like you know poetry and a lot of other stuff that he like books that he wrote and like he he was pretty prolific from what it looks like yeah he did a lot of stuff and like a lot of stuff too like 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 one book that he wrote specifically was super controversial even till like the 80s and 90s it was very controversial because it was about a lot of taboo subjects and it and nobody knew who wrote it it was like a ghost narrator thing and nobody knew who wrote it and then nobody really know still to this day knows who it's about, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of about a, a lot of alternative things and a lot of taboo things, and I think that's that's really cool. I didn't write down the name yeah. of the book though because that would have been smart, but I didn't do that. <laughs> I can only do so much. I, can yeah, only I know. Do so much. I, yeah, I agree. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. So, uh, do we have anything else, or what? What, do you, what else do you want to talk about? Do you want to play anything else? Should we I play have, Lotus Land? I have no more. Actually, I do have one more banger, Love Dance, the last song. Oh, that was my 4B. Yeah. I thought I thought this was the I thought this was the most seductive song on the album. It was heavy on the sexiness I wrote. <laughs> and I thought it was just kind of like a culmination of the whole album. It was like a like some sort of coda. Yeah, it, oh, the sounds are yeah. funny. It was just it was just it was it was the good opposite to Quiet Village. But it was a great way to end it. Like it was the more ex- kind of extreme version of the of the song. It kind of picked up on all the cr- the craziest parts of this record and threw it into a, into this one song or this one arrangement. But this is also a Les Baxter song, so yeah, there is that. Like I said, I think what, what were there five Baxter songs that he covered or he rearranged and stuff. So this is a good one, though. I'm totally down to play it. Do you want to play it? Play it. All right. Here is uh, fuck. I'm not even ready. Here's Love Dance from Martin Denny.
There you go. Love Dance from Martin Denny. It's, it's really good, man. Martin Denny, this album is just too good. It's too good, man. Oh. Then, okay, so that, that's, yes. what I, that's what I wrote, too. One of the, one of the most funny things I wrote was, was the, the sound... The sound you make when you when you when you clap your hands together and then squeeze the palms of your hand together and then imagine they're they're a little bit wet that like that kind of farting noise but it's like <laughs> whatever it is that's that's the sound in Love Dance that he's making there and it's just such a joke it's so funny and it's just it's clearly a complete joke do you know what sound I'm talking about in the in the song I, I think I do I think I do. It's like toward, I don't know it's that. towards the end. It's it's just I, my hands are like very dry right now because it's, it's a dry heat out here in Arizona. My of hands course, are very dry, so I can't. But like, but I'm like, doing it. I, it's not happening. But like, it's not happening. <laughs> if you listen I to the game, you'll be like, "Oh, that, yeah, that's for sure." Exactly. I know what he's <laughs> talking about. Yes, he's right. I'm dumb. That's what you'll say. No, I would never say that because that's like the complete opposite of what's true. But uh, anyway, anyway. What else, what else yeah, you got on this right. one? That's all I got. I think that's all I got for the 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 interesting side characters here. Okay. All right. I'm I'm good song wise too. Um, yeah, that's it. Are we are we good to round it out? Give our final thoughts on our yeah. Uh, let's, let's let's wrap it up here. Okay. So uh, before we do this, just a quick thing. We do have our our world famous rating system where three is a perfect album. Two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to. One is a bad album, but give it a shot. And zero is just the worst thing you've ever heard. So uh, what are your final thoughts and uh, your rating? Go. I'm actually really happy we did this because this was this was hard because there's not a lot of source material and there's, there's, there's really nothing written about a lot of these people outside of... I've noticed, too, that when you Google some of these people's names... And like Sandy, what's the girl's name? Sandy Warner. Sandy Wexler. Warner, yeah. Drex, Clyde Drexler. So <laughs> when you Google Sandy Warner, <laughs> you'll come across like four different websites that are just copy and pasted from Wikipedia, and it's it's yeah. like that's yeah. that's what you that's what that that's like the majority of the things that you come across, and that's super irritating. So sure. I, I'm I'm glad that we did this because it it did force me to get more into the genre into more of this era of music which is uh, I mean it's something we just know damn near nothing about and we make fun of a lot the big band era but I mean that's the kind of the beginnings of a lot of the music we listen to is coming from the 20s 30s so it was it was it was really fun I had a good time with it um I I'm gonna give I'm gonna give quiet village. Or Exotica. I'm going to give Exotica two different scores here. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. As far as Exotica albums go, this is this is a three out of three. This is a perfect album. There's nothing, there's nothing better than this. And and I've listened to, I think, six Martin Denny records. So I am an authority on Martin Denny now. Of course. I know yes. all about it. I've only kept three of those, but what did I you do keep? know that. I kept Exotica, I kept Quiet Village, and I think I kept A Taste of Honey or something, okay. maybe. Yeah, those are like his big three, yeah. Yeah. But if I find the one that you're still looking for, I, oh, that one yeah, does dude. interest me. The Moog one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want that one so bad. Um, but yeah, I, 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 think, I think this is the... Much like I think Blink-182 embodies like 
perfect pop punk music. Exotica embodies actually only Exotica music. There's nothing else that even comes close. Yeah. Everything else is just a little bit of something else. We talked about Esquivel and Arthur Lyman and, and Les Baxter. They all do something else also, but nobody does mm-hmm. Exotica. I think Martin Denny's the only one that does it. He, he, he's in a genre by himself, essentially. Yeah. So given that, I give it a perfect three. Replayability, though. Replayability. Will I be listening to this on a Saturday afternoon? Yes. While watching college football? Yes. Yeah, I will. No, you're right. I will. I will. <laughs> I know so you will. Get, I know I, if you didn't. I know. It's a good album. It's not bad. And now that I have my newfound, not love, but but opposite of distaste for the, the, the bird calls, it's the symbols that I hate, I think... Uh, I think I do like I think I do like a two point two point I'll do two point six. I'll do two point five. <laughs> but I'll do two point six. I'll do two point six. Normally normally I complain when you don't give something a perfect three when it deserves I'll get crazy. a three. Uh but I'm I'm completely satisfied that you gave this two point six. I thought you were I, gonna just shit on it, dude. Going into this, I wow. legit thought this was gonna be the one of the worst weeks we've ever done. I honestly chose this because I wanted to shit all over it, <laughs> and I I, I, I cannot it. find I cannot find any negatives about this. Honestly, I cannot find any negatives about this. It's just that I can't find nothing but positives. So therefore, I can't give it a perfect three. But I can't find any fucking negatives. There's really nothing negative about this music. It's it's truly enjoyable. There really I love is. the tiki room from, the, from Disneyland. Like, are you kidding oh, me? Yeah. The tiki room. Who doesn't love it? It was tiki so room? great. I love. Yeah, the tiki room's fantastic. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna say too. I'm sure next time you go to Aldo's because Aldo has usually has a shit. He always has a ton of Martin Denny. Get the uh, get the stereo version of this of Exotica, just yeah, to kind of so you have sure both. Will. You know, just to give it a listen, see if if you like which one you like more. And the, also, we didn't really talk about it, but there are some differences between the mono and stereo uh, when it comes to arrangement style. There are different arrangements on the stereo version. So it's not identical. The two versions aren't identical. So keep that in mind as well. Um, Dude, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm staring at the cover right now, and it's just like just that girl's, her face, just everything about this cover is so exotica it's so <laughs> fucking perfect like that she's a little fish hook keychain on her forehead yeah like her lips are just so vibrantly red and she's like, like an attractive person too so it's not like it you're looking the at symm- it ugly- yeah the symmetry yeah. alone like you stick your hand down the middle of her fucking face and she's not like tom cruise where her middle tooth is in the fucking middle of her face like she's <laughs> her symmetry is on fucking point yeah, everything yeah. about this cover is just absolutely perfect it's true. It's true. And then also another thing before I get into my final thoughts, I wanted to bring this up because we, we actually forgot to bring this up, but a lot of people or not a lot of people, but some people <laughs> think that uh, this record was, was actually recorded um, at the, uh, the iron, what is it called? The, the aluminum dome, aluminum dome, yeah. aluminum dome in, dome in Hawaii where Arthur Lyman actually recorded like all of his records, which is, which is it's known for its like acoustics and how amazing that sounds, but this record was actually recorded actually at uh, Webley's studio in Waikiki. But um, real quick on the aluminum dome, which is really cool, the acoustics are amazing. So what Arthur Lyman would do, he would play his sh- his normal show like on a Friday Saturday night, and then him and his band 
would take all their shit to this to this amphitheater like in the middle of the night and they they would record an entire album's worth of material all throughout the night so they could avoid all of the noise like of the world like tourists and cars driving by and stuff Oof. like that and they would only know to stop recording when they could hear the trash trucks early in the morning when the sun was coming up that's when oh, they would stop so recording cool. and that is super fucking cool and i <laughs> i don't know why we forgot to bring it up at the beginning but we did so it's brought up now but i love that that entire thing but that's also more arthur lyman that's not really a martin denny at all but anyway with that being said Martin Denny, this record, this changed a lot about how I feel about music and jazz music. And this, I just, I really, I instantly just love this style of music and have been obsessed with it since, since I discovered it like a year and a half, two years ago. And I'm still on my quest of getting every, all 39 Martin Denny records. I'm almost there, almost there. I got 11 <laughs> left. And, uh, and I will, I will be posting and letting everybody know once I reach that milestone. Cause it's important. It's important to me. It's important to everyone. So I'm, I'm, it's important to me. I'm fucking curious. You're invested. I really am. <laughs> oh God. And everybody makes one, well, you and like one other person make fun of me. And that other person is Desi at uncle Aldo's attic yeah. when he laughed at me about this. But, um, anyway, I love this record. I, I love the style. I love just how it makes me feel. It's one of those few, kinds of music that makes you feel a very specific way that you almost can't even explain. It makes you think of something that you've never, never been a part of in your life. It's very weird. Um, and I'm going to have to give this album a perfect three out of three. I don't do it often, but yeah, it's a, it's a three out of three in every way to even taking it out of, out of just the exotica realm. You just throw this into just any other type of music. It's just, it's so unique in itself. I love it. So, Perfect three out of three. Exotica from Martin Denny. Okay, 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 okay. And I just, I love that you can't, you don't even argue with me because. Okay. It's the it's truth. A, it, there's, I can't argue because there's no, there's no source material. I can't, <laughs> I can't say like, whoa, this guy did it better because nobody people, did it better. People can argue that, that Les Baxter did it better. Or even Arthur Lyman did it better. But I mean, b based off of my brief history with both of them, no. No, yeah, they didn't. They didn't do it better. I would agree. I would agree. They did it similar, but not better. Not better. Yeah. Martin Denny was in a whole another realm of his own. So, man, it would have been so cool to see him, <laughs> just like back in back in the seventies or something. Like even when there was like no crowds, just him with his little band playing would have been so cool. <laughs> whatever. I'll see what I can find when I go to Hawaii uh, later yes. this year. So. T-shirt. In my t, I do. I will definitely get a t-shirt. You for have this, to. For this, for this you trip. have to. I will definitely do it. I'll be such a fucking cut, but I'll fucking do it. Um, but yeah. thank you all for listening to the podcast. If we missed anything, I'm sure we didn't. I'm sure we missed a lot, but who knows? This is our first, you know, introduction to this stuff. So thank you all for listening. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And uh, once again, you know, thank you. And I don't even know. That's uh, that's it. That's all. Martin Davis.
but I feel like the, the like the snake stuff you hear is more the percussive instruments. It's not him actually. <laughs> You'll think he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's not him with his voice. Yeah. <laughs> with his tongue sliding out his nasty mouth. <laughs> that is more vibe or vibraphone driven with Arthur Lyman. Arthur Lyman, I can't even Lyman. speak. Lyman. Jesus Lyman. Christ. <laughs> and then I get like the hookup. You know, I go to a bar and like, oh wait, you know who Martin Denny is? And I can, I can, and then, and then, dude, I can't even speak. And then I can drop all. 